Now, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you a story. It's a question, it's a statement, it's what can you offer? here for a celebration. You bought your tickets for a celebration. So a celebration is what you're going to get. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time yet again to ask that age-old question. What can you offer? That's right. My name's John Cross, and I have a very special guest today. Unfortunately, Alex Royal was not medically cleared to participate in this podcast. He apparently has the skull of an overripe cantaloupe, and he has suffered yet another concussion. This is a true story. So Alex cuts a promo at BPW and gets a concussion. We'll tell that story here in just a second. Ladies and gentlemen, I am joined by none other than Graham Bell. I thought Brandon Groom was the only one that could cause concussions <laughs> with promos. <laughs> so Alex has been prone as of late, or as of the last year or so, to head injuries. <laughs> and I'm just like that would explain the OKX booking message I got before <laughs> I came here. <laughs> God damn! But I'm just like I'm like, man, you got to stop this. But anyway, so Alex cuts a promo in the opening spot of the last BPW show. He attacks the champion, Derek James. Um, hits him with a brain buster, and on the descent of the brain buster, Derek James manages to knee the fuck out of Alex right in the dome. And I was, gotta keep the local kids strong. I oh man, so I watched the footage of it, and uh, I was like, I watched it live, and kind of I saw the brain buster, and I was like, oh cool, awesome, and I just kind of went about my business. I was like, oh, it looked beautiful, and then. He goes, uh, I got to the locker room a little bit later after I did my shit, and he was actually out back, out of his gear, because he was supposed to be in the main event. So they were setting up the opening spot for the main event. But okay. he, was, he was in his normal so this was at, like the beginning of the show. It's the very first thing that happened. And then I had a deal where I was hiding in the crowd, so I didn't see him in the locker room. And I go, I'm like, what are you doing? You're not in your gear anymore. And he goes, oh, no, dude, I'm ready to bounce whenever you are. And I was like, I thought some shit went down or something. And I'm like, who we, well, what do we got to do? We fucking taking Groom's tires off his truck or what? Another Will Illuminati yeah. <laughs> situation. And he goes, no, dude, I, I blacked out in that, in that promo. And I said, what? I, was, I, I watched it. What are you talking about? He goes, I got kneed in the face by that brain buster, and it legit knocked me unconscious for a second. And so I went back and watched the tape. And I'll be damned. He, he hits the brain buster, and for, I'm talking like one second, his body goes completely limp. <laughs> and then he comes to, and he pins Derek James in the promo, after the end of the promo. He pins him. And, <laughs> and it, I was like, yeah, you fucked up, didn't you? <laughs> and uh, he then goes on to do, a, a, like, he hurts his arm with a chair and shit. And I remember, I remember telling him, like, I was going to tell you, like, why did you rush that chair spot? You, you didn't get full extension because he tried to kick the chair and stuff. I was like, you didn't get full extension. And he goes, oh, I, I'm just lucky I even remembered what the fuck was going on. And then I, was, I put it all together. I was like, oh, he was fucked up. So anyway, Alex went to the hospital after the show and fucking doctor told him he had a concussion. So there's that. That's why he's not here. That's the real reason he's not here today. So. Yes, it's nothing to do with our schedule. It has we nothing to do with the fact that he lives in a different town and owns a business and uh, we're, we're fucking schlubs and we got nothing to do in the middle of the day. So. Fucking 118. Fucking 118. <laughs> I, I, my, my day's done. 
Man, my day's done. I'm, I'm, we're, we're chilling high at NSU right now, looking down out some windows at, at absolutely nobody. There's nobody walking around out there. But yeah. sometimes I sit up here and look at. I don't even say it, but <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. You know. Anyway, if only man, they had a clock tower here. That's right. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> so I've been wanting to pod with you for a while. We've been trying to get schedules worked out and stuff. I wanted to pod with you immediately after Japan. I, and, and I, I was thinking this yeah. earlier. It's kind of a blessing in disguise. Yeah, yeah. off for so long because I just spent two weeks yes. in CMLL. So, so I wanted to talk to you after Japan, and now we can talk about Japan and Mexico that you just got back from. So awesome, man. So, I mean, you you start me off wherever you want to go, man. You want to talk about Japan first. You want to talk about the fresh Mexico on your mind. You want to talk about anything else, man. Just let's go. What do you want to get into? Man, I, those are usually like the two biggest milestones of, of my career so far, and they came about in like almost eerily similar ways because they were they both came about from like tryouts mm-hmm. that led to training opportunities. Mm-hmm. The uh, the wrestle one repping them today because I right. wore my CML shirt to to my show yesterday. Right on. Um, <clears throat> so I just happened to see that Russell One was doing a series of tryouts across the United States. They're doing some on the West Coast, one in Kansas, Texas, and yeah. a couple on the East Coast. And initially, I decided not to do it because mm-hmm. um, I was tied on money, and it said you have to fly yourself over there, right. which is traditionally kind of taboo in mm-hmm. pro wrestling to fly yourself to Japan. Mm-hmm. For some reason, just Japan. But uh, I don't know. Bob Evans posted something. He started sharing it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, everyone always says they want to go over there, they want to do this, they want to do that. Here's your opportunity. Don't don't bitch when you don't do it mm-hmm. because someone else did. And I right. was like, well, shit, one hundred and ten dollars for a trial ain't that much. And uh, I did the one closest to my house, which was about six hours away in yeah. Salina, Kansas. And me and this other dude, uh, Chase Rollman, who wrestles as Prince Vale, got chosen. And the deal with with Wrestle One was. Normally, their dojo is $1,500 for a week of room and board and training. Mm -hmm. And the deal with them was that they'd cover the room and board and training. You just have to get yourself over there. And that was it. It was a week of training with the possibility of matches. Right. And we get over there, and I find out Tuesday we've all got a match um, in Odawara, which is where I hurt my foot because I did my big top rope moonsault that I do. Right, right, I remember you telling me about that, yeah. I was not caught on it, so I came yeah. down straight on my foot, and it still causes me tr- problems. Yeah. When I was doing the cardio in Mexico, that old ass arena they got, it's a bunch of uneven concrete that yeah. we got to jog around. My feet were fucked because I was just in wrestling shoes, yeah, yeah, and I yeah. forgot to put my Dr. Scholl's in. Yeah. It was fucking murdering yeah, my brutal. feet. Brutal. Yeah. But, uh, and then everyone did well enough on the Odawara show on Tuesday that we all got put on the undercard for the Cork and Hall show the next day, which mm. was an absolute dream come Absolutely, true. man. Fuck One of yes. the. Top three most historic wrestling venues in the entire world. Without a doubt, man. So, yeah. and that was cool. And it was one of those things is to go for training and there was no guarantees of really anything. Mm-hmm. And it just, it paid off. And the CMLL thing, I had been, see, I got back basically the beginning of November. So I'd really been back about a month. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have anything solid for that weekend. So I was just going to come down here and see my woman. Mm-hmm. And I see that... Uh, Big Daddy Yum Yum, Byron Wilcott, he's all over Texas. He's been to Japan and stuff, mm-hmm. too. He'd recently done some stuff with CMLL, and he yeah. was bringing in uh, Nitro, who was one of the bookers for CMLL, was bringing him to Texas to do a series of seminars slash tryouts. And the deal deal was you'd spend two weeks in Mexico City yeah. training with CMLL, and you'd, get to, you'd have a match in Arena, Mexico. Yeah. 
And I went into both of those with the same mentality, and it's helped a lot when I go in for tryouts and stuff. Because I used to be real bad about, especially because I did some of those Evolve tryouts. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd always go in thinking, well, Gabe's a big fucking mark. Yeah. What kind of cool shit can I do yeah, yeah. and still show the fundamentals and basics and all this other shit you want to do? Like, what can I do to make him, what can I be that he wants to like? And luckily this happened, this mindset happened right before the Japan thing and where I went in and I didn't look at it as an audition at all. I just went in like, I'm going to do what I do. And if they like it, great. And if they don't, that's okay. Cause I, there, I know there are people who do. Sure. And, uh, I went into the, the CML tryout the, the same way. And uh, Nitro is super cool. He doesn't speak English for shit, mm. <laughs> but he's the the nicest fucking dude. Like while we were over right. there, like he brought us to his house for his son's birthday party. His son's like thirty third yeah, birthday yeah. party or something like that. And we all ate. And it was it was dope because he did three tryouts and he's supposed to pick one person from each tryout to go over there. So he's yeah. supposed to take three people and he ended up taking I think seven. Wow! Because yeah. he ended up choosing four from my tryout, including it was me, Noby Bryant who didn't go. Uh, Jerome Daniel Griffey, and then my buddy Ryan Remington, who had just gotten back from a month training in wrestling with WXW in Germany. Right on. He went over there and done their student shit, and he came back and didn't even have his gear, but Nitro liked the way he carried himself so much. So he chose four from that one, and three of us went. One person from the next day, I think, in Houston, and he chose three people from the day after that in San Antonio, two girls... And this dude, Aaron, who was actually at my tryout, didn't get chosen, but mm-hmm. went ahead and did the other one and got chosen. I got mad respect for that because nice. yeah. I, I talked with Aaron a lot, and he uh, he's actually he's been wrestling about three years, and he spent about a year and a half living in Mexico total right. because, like, CMLL is his dream. Like, Arena Mexico was his dream. Sure. So yeah, absolutely. I've got mad respect for him, and he's, he's a really cool guy, and he's still a little green, but he's got a ton of potential, and I really look forward to running into him again. Right. But, uh... It was a, like I said, like I didn't have anything solid that weekend. Yeah. It was just like, okay, run down to Dallas, do this, come back. I got Saturday, Sunday, probably Monday yeah. with my girl. And I ended up getting picked. Nice. And then uh, I had, once again, call my dad for a loan to help with the, the plane tickets. Got, sure. Again, Japan wiped me out, mostly souvenirs. Of course, man. These are so close back to back. I mean. It yeah. was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I told you it's. So wild that in with a four month span, I got to wrestle in Corican Hall and Arena Mexico. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. if in the next two months I somehow manage to wrestle in Madison Square oh, Garden, man. I'll hit that wood drive. You're, you're, you're it, man. Yeah, right? Man. Fuck yeah, man. Absolutely. So, but so that that's how those came about, and they were both super incredible experiences, and I learned a fucking shit ton. Would you Would you bring back from Japan souvenir wise, geek wise? What'd you bring back? Man, I didn't do. I didn't bring back a lot of stuff yeah. for me. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got. I'm trying to remember what I got, Alicia. I got her some fuzzy socks because she really likes fuzzy socks. Nice. And like, there wasn't a ton of great souvenir shops around, but I brought back my buddy. Obviously, like the I grew up with a bunch of weeaboo friends, real yeah, big yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I got my buddy Matt a, a lucky cat. Nice. I got my mom yeah, yeah. some chopsticks. Yeah. Uh, I got my dad and my grandma. I brought them back some dongo, those little balls on the skewers. Yeah. 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 They're really good. Hell yeah. I got, I won this little Charizard figure mm-hmm. at an arcade, and I brought it back. And then I got Ellen and Ruby, I got them uh, little kimonos and fans. Yeah. So uh-huh. th- those are, I didn't get to 
like because everything like food and everything over there was really affordable mm -hmm. but souvenirs got expensive sure. so yeah. i had to i had to watch that but so i didn't get to like indulge in like animation cells and right, gundams right. as much as i would have really liked to sure i also wasted ten dollars at an arcade because i spent it there are these tokens that you know where you, you put it in and there's the little platform that moves yep. back and forth and yep. you drop the coins and it pushes Tries them off push it forward yeah. and i thought i was just getting change for my ten dollars <laughs> for my ten dollar bill yeah 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 and it's just a bunch of these tokens and i went to like i told him like okay i'll just exchange these at the counter because yeah. i told him i was done playing yeah and what it is, they don't exchange them. You just write your name in a book and they'll hold them until the next time you come back. So I just gave them to another guy that was sitting there. Yeah, I was like, well, that's yeah. $10 I'll never get I'm back. Say, maybe in a couple years, you know, you go back and get <laughs> right? some fucking tokens ready for you. Here's, a, here's the thing I didn't understand, though. Is that those token machines, you put them in, they just push out more tokens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not really sure what fucking the prize is, Japanese is supposed going on. to be there. <laughs> Like, those stupid Americans, yeah. Yeah, no, no that's good. Shit, but... Fuck, that's awesome. Well, what else? What else did you do over there? Did you see? Uh, so, what was for? What was for eats? You hit some traditional ramen bars or anything? We so... went to like one ramen place, uh -huh. and I, I would have liked to go to more, but I'm not gonna lie, my fucking up my foot impeded yeah. my sightseeing a lot because yeah, yeah, it's all yeah. bet, walking man. and walking, shit over yeah. there. So, yeah. like, I didn't get out and walk around as much right. as I really would have liked because we were in Shinjuku, which is kind of like a mm -hmm. commerce. Mm -hmm. area um and the first day we went out walking around with sunny uh a little bit he took us like through kabuki cho and mm -hmm. stuff we went we all went into a sex shop which was really funny because it was just a bunch of shells like jutting out so you kind of had to like snake your way through but uh -huh. you get to the end and there's no exit you just have to turn around oh god so yeah. there are like <laughs> 10 of us and so we, we just got to the back it's like all right yep. everyone turn around back and back leave. the way single file yeah but uh we went to like obviously, just being in Corican Hall was fucking wild. Sure, sure. Um, and it's I still don't think it's set in. Like I still mm -hmm. go back and look at pictures just to make sure it actually happened. Yeah, man. Cause and it's like I tell people like I wasn't nervous the whole time. Mm -hmm. I was I kept waiting because it was like four months from when I did the tryout to when I left. Yeah. And I wasn't nervous. And people I was like I'm sure it'll hit on the plane. Yeah. And I was on the plane. And it never really hit. And I got there, and we had our match Tuesday, and it never really hit. And I was mm -hmm. like, "We'll probably hit in Corican," and it never hit. And it's just I couldn't I couldn't explain it. It's just one of those things. Right. But uh, well, see. I mean, that's awesome, man. Like it felt good. I mean, you felt like you were meant to be there. So exactly, like, that's, that's what I tell people. That's like great. I think because even on like little shitty indie shows, mm -hmm. like I'm nervous about like what how the crowd's gonna react mm -hmm. and what they're gonna and if it's blah blah blah. And I think just being there, yeah. there was a sense of. I wouldn't be there if I didn't belong there. Yeah, yeah Like, you yeah, don't get yeah. to go to Currican Hall right. if you don't belong in Currican sure. Hall. So, like, that insecurity was just out the door because, totally like, that, yeah. of course they're going to dig what I do because I'm here. Right. Absolutely. But, like, I, I totally get that. It's it's totally different than, like, hitting just the random indie show down the road here where it's like, uh, you know, you're great. You look good. You got, you know, everything about you is special. And then, like, but you're wrestling next to fucking... This guy, right? I've wrestled, doesn't fucking belong. I've wrestled in the state for most of my career, but if yeah. I showed up on a show today, like half the fans wouldn't know who I am. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not here that much anymore, and right. then they just they fucking cycle in and out. Yeah. Like it is what it is, man. Yeah. yeah, you're absolutely right. And then just in Japan and Mexico, both there's just there's a respect for professional wrestling mm -hmm. that the mainstream, the casual fan doesn't have here. Mm -hmm. Which I mean, that, and that's just the cultural thing. Like I, I can be mad about it mm -hmm. all I want, but it's not going to do me any good. Right. Just, 
it's been presented it's been presented as a cartoon here and everything where absolutely in japan it's a sport in mexico it's like cultural pageantry it's i mm. equate it to like the aztec because it's not like presented as like like kayfabe's big in mexico still mm-hmm. but like you look at it it's like it's not like a sports sport like japan like they don't like shooter style stuff because right. uh my buddy jerome there he's a jujitsu guy and a lot of his stuff over here is get in and do kind of shoot styles up and they told him you got to be out here you got to be bigger yeah. and stuff and i mean you've seen like real ass lucha stuff not you know oklahoma city yeah, yeah, lucha, yeah, yeah th- let's yeah. throw in a mask and do ranas like yes. this yeah. fucking tackle bump sweep sweep yeah, yeah. kick whip reverse put your arm around your buddy double kick yeah, weird yeah, fucking yeah, double yeah, teams yeah. like it's not realistic at all but it's still it's a it's a part of the right. culture and it's there's a do, there's yeah, a way they do it and it, right. was, it was weird because as much as you're told to work the crowd here like it's 10 times that over there. It's mm. after everything you do, acknowledge them. That's uh, what yeah. they want. It's well, that's cool though. It is. But and then the fans want that. You know, like 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 sometimes, you know, you work the crowd here, but I mean, sometimes you don't get anything back from them and sometimes it's not necessarily because you're doing the wrong thing. It's cuz maybe they're not interested or maybe they're not there for the right reason. I hate or, to blame the the fan, yeah. but especially in Oklahoma, yeah, sure. like these like Oklahoma just has some like the shittiest crowds. Yeah. I've ever been to like there are some great fans and I kind of I miss like the old uh, Oklahoma City like Mid South days when mm-hmm. IZW was still running in conjunction mm-hmm. with them because those fans were some of the the most white trash meth heads I've ever yeah. met. But <laughs> my God, they fucking loved right. what was going on there. They loved to boo the heels and they loved right. to cheer. Me and Luke weren't even good yet. We were fucking gods in Oklahoma right. City. So that's awesome, man. That's awesome. But yeah, uh, I dig that. I was talking last night. So on Thursday nights, I, I trained with a, a, a guy here and uh, we, we got into a conversation last night that sort of relates to some of that just as far as like, um, oh, I don't know, presenting yourself as a more more important person or as a larger than life character, like as far as like not standing in line for nachos with the fans. Like I, I, I'm I'm big on stuff like that. I'm big on not being crazy buddy buddy with fans to the point to where you're just one of them. Like, I, I, I don't like that. I was talking to him last night. I said, you know, at the gym, I do this. I, I, I work for free at the gym sometimes. I, I call it working for free. Yeah. And it's part of my, my life is like sometimes between clients, I have two free hours and I can yeah. go home and play a video game for a couple hours. Great. Sometimes that's what I do and sometimes that's what I want to do. But what I like to do is walk across the street over here to the main gym and walk around and if as long and I never bother anybody, but if they don't have their buds in and they look at me and they say hello or something, I say, hey, I'm John. Do you, do you need anything? Do you need a towel? Do you need, you know, water fountains over here? Have a good workout. And I walk on. I don't fucking bother them for longer than 30 seconds. And sometimes what that equals at the end of the day is someone going like, your name was John. You, you work here, right? And I was like, yeah, I'm a personal trainer here. And they'll be like, oh, I, I've been wondering who to ask about personal training. And I'm like, well, here's my card. I don't want to bother you. You're working out. Please get in touch with me anytime. And I, I walk away. And I was like, working for free in wrestling, there's, there's a way to do it too, where like, in the old days of WFC, the old days, back in my day in WFC, I would... Casey Wills versus the Innovators. Fuck, man. <laughs> I would love to, I would love to, like 30 minutes before the show started, or maybe 15 minutes when people were kind of lining up or they were waiting to come in, I would love to walk around the ring or walk out in the hallway where they were lined up and whatnot and speak briefly to people or treat people shitty briefly for, for, you know, as a heel or whatnot. 
But never stop and bullshit with someone about the new Avengers movie. I didn't do shit like that. It would be never never sign autographs before the show as the heel because I wanted him to boo me when I came out. I'll sign your autographs after the show or I'll sign them in intermission or whatever. Like I'm just I was trying to get him to understand the difference between Oh, you know, putting on your, your gym shorts and waiting for nachos next to this guy and then, you know, revealing how tall you are versus how muscular you really are and all this stuff. Like, you know, I also tell guys like, you know, you don't it's always... It's amazing that, that yeah. seven foot difference between yeah. front row and the ring. Yeah, 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 man. Perspective. I, I love to tell him about not always walking around the ring. Sometimes you just need to slide right in. and You can be a babyface, go to all four corners. Andy Andy walk-around. You're, you're, you're five feet taller than everybody already because you're in the ring. Like, Hopefully. I mean, <laughs> oh, fuck, please, God. You never know. But but guys don't enough present themselves as being a, a, above. You know, you are what they're striving to achieve. So right. you need to be a little bit more important. I've taken that a lot more seriously yeah. here recently because I've noticed – and again, not to like harp on Oklahoma, but it's no, the one I, mean, I noticed. That's where we are. Yeah. Right. Like, and th- nothing against like these fans because they're just trying to do what they do. But like, I'll see people in comment threads with Jerry Henry or Laura Copenhaver or Travis King or, you know, yeah. these guys. And it's just like, yeah. now you're not, now you're not like mm-hmm. an attraction. Really. You're just a mm-hmm. friend and maybe they'll come see your, your shitty band play in Absolutely. Bristow and like, yep. Again, nothing against those guys, but I've purposely avoided like commenting back too much on some of those, or like really like, yep, interacting with without like, a doubt. Because like, like yeah. I'm sure Tra- Travis King's a cool guy and everything, but like, yeah. he's not my friend. Sure, like I'd rather he buy a T-shirt. I've got friends, right, right, right. And if I met him out in the world, like at a bus stop, I'd, yeah. I'd talk the shit out. But uh, absolutely, like yeah, like me and Travis are really cool. He does some design work for me and whatnot, and and but we don't ever get into fucking like kayfabe wrestling conversations or anything like that on the internet, I will not acknowledge people like what you're talking about when they're doing that stuff. And not even, even now that I've like, I don't have cross in my name on Facebook or anything anymore. I took that out because I'm, I'm, I have a business and whatnot, right. but like, and that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter to me as much, but I'm not, I have no problem sharing my wrestling stuff. I have no problem with that. No shame of it at all for my, for my personal clients and all. But I do feel weird if I try to like, spark a kayfabe fucking promo on Facebook under my real name. Like, I don't like that. I just don't like it. So I, I avoid it. I just don't. Do I, I totally under. And yeah. my, my Facebook situation is kind of weird because it's like, I just use it as my personal Facebook, even though it's mm-hmm. the Graham mm-hmm. Bell page. And you'll see me post stuff about yeah. like, like breaking kayfabe stuff, just like general, yeah. like wrestling advice that I've picked yeah, yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. When something just like hits my head and I want to post it, but then I'll if I share like a match graphic or something, it'll be in character. But I yeah I never do like full on Facebook promos. No yeah yeah. I'll yeah. I'll film a promo if I'm gonna do a yes, promo. Absolutely. But uh, the typed out promos, man. I I I'm sure I've done them. I can't remember any of them. I'm sure I've done them. But boy, do I hate them now. Well, you, like I don't. Eight like years them. ago, when social media was new, it seemed yeah. like a good idea. Sure. Because it's just like just present yourself like your character. Well, but then I. For one, I think because there were so many bad ones, it's yeah. just like you can have a perfectly spell-checked one and it still comes off fucking ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. there's just, you can't get across body language and tone and it's something typed out, Absolutely. which I think there's been enough, like, let's try this, like, okay, it's just not the same as mm-hmm. seeing someone. It, absolutely not. Yeah, so. absolutely not. I had him, uh, we did a lot of promo work last night and I had him cut a promo with me. I gave him a topic a week prior and had him cut a promo to me last night and... Uh, we talked promos a lot, and I, 
Man, I love talking about promos. I mean, I, I love promo work. I love, I hate that guys don't push for it more. He's like, well, what should I do to get better? And I was like, you should cut more fucking promos, man. Now, first off, have a good topic, please. Because it does, I don't want you to be going out there every week and just talking bullshit and adding length to the show and whatnot. But if you can come up with a great topic and you can say and go to a promoter that trusts you and be like, hey, I need three minutes on the mic tonight. Just fucking go out there and get your reps in and cut some promos. And I was like, if you're going to bumfuck nowhere in a new state, in a new town, in a new company, approach the promoter, your heel, and just be like, hey, can I have can I have 90 seconds on the mic before my match tonight? Can we just not even play music and just let me walk out with the mic? I, if you want to get better at it, get your reps in and do it, man. Back pocket a, a shitty heel promo or a, 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 a shitty... Not only that, but yeah. everyone's got a camera on their cell phone now, and there's free, free video editing apps that you can just fade in, fade out, and you got to be... Easy. And so I'll, most, I'll tell yeah. you, I'll, I'll promo, but they do frustrate me because yeah. the promos I like to do are, mm. I think, kind of the ones that I, I believe you like to do, mm. which are much more monologues yeah, yeah, than yeah. promos. And I've even had, I'll, I'll drop his name, Kevin Kelly, mm-hmm. has told me, like, you're better in long form. Yeah. But it's frustrating because it will tell you, like, for a TV job and stuff, like, you got to be able to say who you are and what you're about and get yourself across in like 45 seconds right. to a minute. I was like, I don't want to be someone who can get my entire personality. Yeah. Across. Like, and I understand that's, that's an artsy fartsy sure. elitist kind of wrestling thing. But like, yeah, again, like going back to like, like that's who I am. You don't have to like it or not. And I'll like, I've got ones I can do in 45 seconds to a minute, but they're never ones that I'm really happy with. I'm, I'm fucking dead spot on with you. And I've, I've cut promos in, in this room we're in right now. I've cut promos. They just put one out on BPW's page the other day that I cut up here. And I cut these promos and I, I message them like, hey, man, I gotta, I'm going to shoot a quick promo for you today because they asked. And so I do it. And I look at the length and I'm like, fuck, I thought that was 90 seconds. It's four minutes. Right. You know? I'm like, God damn it. And I'm like, but it's so good. In my mind, it's so good. So I go back and I redo it and I don't like it. And and yeah, I do the same thing, man. I have those quick, short ones and I try to do that deal. I'm never super happy with them, but you got to be able to do it, I guess. But It's one of the, it's yeah. one of those necessary like skills like for the job. It's like, yeah, that's, I mean, and there there is an art to it. You look at guys like, especially War Horse is always the one that comes to mind mm-hmm. because he's so, in like, I'm not not to discredit him by saying like he's got easy. He's made it easy on himself by developing a gimmick. Or anything can be heavy metal, and he's just got to put right. that he rules ass at the end of it. Right. Like he's, it's not easy, but he's made it easy on I know, himself. Exactly. He's done it though. I mean that that's. that's and now he's got twelve thousand yeah. Twitter followers. He's the independent wrestling champion, and he's fucking, fucking a man. Yeah. There you go. I fucking I love Warhorse. He's my boy. Absolutely. He's probably right behind Luke and like the best friends I have really? in wrestling. That's so. Dope, man. Like, and a lot of the stuff I do in promos now, like the whole like bazooka videos that mm-hmm. I started making for Twitter, which I haven't done for mm-hmm. a while now because the weather got shitty and I have to be outside because right. <laughs> right, I'm right, setting right. shit on fire. Yep. But, uh, I mean, that's part of him. Like he, he helps me, t- he talks to me about like creating content and the time to put them out and everything. And right. when I bitch about stuff like that, he's a good one to like, yeah. well, you got to do it. Like, and he's in a position where I can, he's, he's someone who can tell me that because he did it, and right. look where he's at. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I mean, absolutely, you're, you're totally there. And I want to talk about some of those videos you've done here in a second, but I'm gonna segue or segue. I'm gonna, I'm gonna diverse real quick and talk about these fucking rain infernos that we're drinking. So uh, yesterday, I saw, or day before, whenever it was, I saw you post a picture of these new 
Rain Infernos, which I never heard of, uh, flavors. I didn't realize that they were yeah. thermogenic yeah, originally. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't saw, either. I saw that, but yeah. it didn't click with me until I stopped at a quick trip yeah. after I'd had two of them over like a three, four hour period. Right. And I was like, wow, I feel like shit. <laughs> so I, 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 uh, I like Rains. They they are Coca Cola's answer to the Bang, and um, I like them. I'm a Bang guy, and I, I'm I'm, pretty, a, I'm big on the Orange Dream Sickles. Yeah, I'm pretty loyal, but um, uh, I I also like the Orange Dream Sickles. So I've had quite a few Rains. Um, right off the bat, these new Inferno thermogenic versions. I don't like the can. I got to tell you why I don't like the can. It looks very similar to a, like a Dollar Energy drink that I know exists in the dollar store. Oh I really? All the time. I don't like that. I love the logo. The logo's great, but the brick wall thing, it kind of throws me off. But I love the clean look of the regular reins, the black with the stark color. The crown. And the, the, I like that. No, I, really, I do really like the logo. I do like these mm -hmm. cans, I think, just because it sets them apart. And, like, yeah, there's yeah, just yeah. three of them right now. True. So, yesterday I saw you post a picture, and I saw the jalapeno strawberry, and I thought, what the fuck? I, I legit thought that you brought home like a weird soda from Mexico. Right, yeah. Like full blown, because you just got back from Mexico. I did bring back an apple Coca-Cola from Japan when there I was over there. There you go. And there those you. were fucking amazing. That sounds fucking Apparently awesome. they got strawberry ones over there right now. I'm trying to get they, my friend Delmi to Japan's got all there. the good shit, man. I, I'm a fucking- There's I, like 80 different variations of Kit Kat over there. I've become quite the weeaboo in my late 20s and early 30s, so I'm, I'm like, oh my God, they've got all the different Kit Kats? What the right? fuck? Like, but, <laughs> fucking plum Kit Kats? But I show up, I show up, um, to my house yesterday, and uh, yesterday was my late day at work, so I work really late on Thursdays. I get home, and my wife has like set my office up with uh, Valentine's shit, which is like healthy can healthy quote unquote healthy candy. It's like it's like some fitness company makes like three carbs, yeah, uh, gummy bears or whatever. And then she got me this jalapeno strawberry rain, which I saved to try on the podcast. I have to say, it did not at all sound like something I would enjoy. Um, I like jalapenos, but I like them on fucking nachos. Like, you know, that's why right. I like jalapenos. As soon as I opened this can while ago while you were talking, I smelled it and I was like, fuck, that smells like, <laughs> it smells like, like, yeah, like the wafting smell from a concession stand. It's got a little jalapeno flavor and I, I, I can smell it. I took a sip though, Predominantly, it's strawberry, so I dig it, but I don't think it's ever anything I'm going to buy again. Does it have a little bit of a metallic taste to you? Maybe. I don't know if that's just the... Like, I'm sure it's jalapeno, but for some reason, it hit me as, like, metallic a little bit. It's not... Jalapeno's not something I need in a drink, but no, I will I, finish this, and I'll, I, okay, I enjoy but... novelty stuff mm -hmm, like that sure. a lot. I yeah, enjoy yeah. the cucumber lime Gatorades oh, that really? were popular yeah, a while yeah, ago. I don't think I ever tried Those that. are... I mean, they're they're refreshing. Sure. And obviously, cucumber is not near as strong a flavor as jalapeno. Yeah, jalapeno yeah. I was like, okay, that's cool. I'll give that a shot. Yeah. When I was in Mexico, uh, I had these uh, spicy cucumber gummy bears. Mm, okay. Those weren't bad. They weren't too spicy, and they had that cucumber like. And it's good because like they're not overly sweet, so mm -hmm. I'm not like just. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, man, they weren't they weren't bad, and that was I didn't get it like. Japan had a lot of like interesting snacks that yeah. like <coughs> shit. And that's just that they're coming back on <coughs> you right now. Right. No, that was yeah. that was one of the fun things about Japan. Like yeah. they had these uh for one apple cokes, like I just said, yeah, which yeah, were yeah, fucking yeah. amazing. Mm -hmm. And in both countries drinking full sugar sodas don't are, is nothing like it is here because I think it's just sugar. Yeah. And I'll tell you right now, I'm not a big like natural food guy because mm -hmm. there's i mean food's gonna be food for the most part sure i ate a bunch of carbs like both places i was my body tends to do well on low carb diets mm -hmm. and everything 
but I really didn't watch what I ate when yeah. I was over at either of those places. And my body still just looked and felt healthier. Mm-hmm. And I do think it is because, unless less in GMOs, because GMOs are generally just like how something's bred. Yeah. As far as like, like you combine a sweet potato with a tomato right. or some shit like that. Right, right, right. But like when it comes to like antibiotics and pesticides and stuff like that, like mm-hmm. even in Mexico, where like we buy fruit cups from the stand and the ladies just with her bare hand and just a mango yeah, yeah, and just yeah. a knife <laughs> in her hand. Which is fucking amazing for one. Sure. She's not cutting her hand yeah, off. Her fingers and then off. just pouring it in the cup and I'm right. eating this bare fruit that this lady just touched Hell and has yeah. touched all day. Yeah. Like I still like like I ate a lot while I was in Mexico. Yeah. And like I said, I got my Mexican body, like I got my belly started to get big and my <laughs> my chest and arms kept just kept getting broader despite yeah. the fact I didn't lift. Right. <laughs> I mean, bro, I'll tell you, yeah. those Mexican dudes don't mm-hmm. lift for shit. Really? Like it's like you can look at them and tell they're on the gas. Like that's no secret. But like yeah. they'll be over there and like you you've seen I've seen how you work out. Mm-hmm. You've seen how like I work out mm-hmm. when we're working out hard. And I'll, I've seen guys who are fucking jacked going there and like fucking forty five pounds on tricep extension and just yeah yeah I know yeah I know it. it's it drives me crazy sometimes. I, I mean <coughs> you know be it be it the gas or be it genetics or be it who the fuck knows. But I know that I kill myself in here just about every day. And, and like, I, I still don't look anything like what I wish I looked like. But I remember I was, I cut carbs real hard going into yeah. Japan to lean out as best I could. And mm-hmm. I kind of, I broke that pretty bad, like in the week before, but mm-hmm. I still like, okay, I like how I look. And the whole time I was there, fucking rice and noodles and yeah. fucking tons of carbs and yeah. full sugar sodas and like yep. the three the four days before my Kirk and Hall match I get those pictures back and I've got better abs and a better shape yeah, chest yeah. than I did before and I hadn't lifted like at all over there right. I didn't lift the entire time I was in Mexico but I still really like like you can kind of see like my ab lines on top yep. of my distended belly <laughs> and, and like that's the way it is like there's this guy over there named Mysterioso Jr. Mm-hmm. and like he's got this huge gut but he's just got big shoulders right. and butt and he just looks like your fucking dad right. <laughs> come yeah. beat the shit out of you <laughs> I mean that's oh, that's, that's a ton awesome. of them like yeah that's awesome. So None fucking, of them are like killing themselves in the you gym. Get, you got you got rice and noodles in Japan. You got fucking uh, tortillas and and rice in Mexico. Right. And <laughs> I mean, I did have a lot of fucking tacos over there. Dude, and they were I fucking good. I mean, I fucking it would destroy me because I love Mexican food. So I, I especially would love some some actual authentic Mexican food. I'm sure they've got so. good burgers in Mexico too. Really? Yeah. There's this little burger place just down the street from yeah, like, yeah. and it was fucking real good. And yeah. Everything was. Oh, they're so fucking cheap. Really? So yeah. I went. We went to this place, and it was like a restaurant, like not a shitty little just hole in the wall, but it was like a a decently nice restaurant. Like you come in, mm-hmm. I got tinga, which is just this like shredded seasoned chicken. Yeah. This tinga quesadilla, a good like the size of like a Taco Bell chicken quesadilla. Yeah. And actually, all the way full right. of chicken for like three bucks. Yeah. Damn it. And like. Because, like, 18 pesos is, like, a dollar. Right. And, like, there's a ton of shit that's just, like, 35 pesos, 50 pesos. That's cool. I bought a whole bunch of lucha masks outside of Arena Mexico for, like, 50 pesos, which is, like, really? 250 275 yeah, maybe yeah. 3 bucks, and I sell them for, like, 20 bucks. Like, Hell I sell yeah. two of them. I've made my money back Absolutely. and everything. That's just profit. Yep. It's- Absolutely, man. Hell yeah, man. Well, compare... um. So compare the uh, compare me some Japanese culture to Mexican. Compare the people. Compare the fans. I mean, what do you got? We always hear about Japanese fans. You know, they're quiet, but they're very appreciative. Like that's what we hear. But is it true? What, what did you What did you take from it? 
It is, um, but even Sonny told us this, like, Japanese crowds are becoming a lot more Mm. Americanized. I mean, I watch New Japan. That's pretty much the only company I follow regularly, and, I mean, they're fucking exactly like American fans. Or, like, honestly, they're more like the classic good American fans that pop for everything, like, than they are the ones... Like the old Attitude Era fans. The ones now that are, for the most part, like, just trying to, like... Get take selfies and get yeah. yourself over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's in New Japan. But I'll tell yeah. you, this is a, a story I like mm-hmm. people because it was our first match in Odawara, and we came out, and it's a like it's just a little house show. So there's mm-hmm. probably like two fifty to three hundred people in this gymnasium. You know, it's not a huge show to begin with. Yeah. And we come out, and there's not a ton of noise when we come out, which I was expecting, so it didn't really throw me off. Right. And I don't know both. In Mexico and Japan, I felt really comfortable just going out there and, I, mm-hmm. and just, like, making it. If, if, if I look fucking stupid, I look stupid. For some reason, in America, like, I'm a lot more self-conscious of it, yeah. which I shouldn't be. Yeah. But over there, it's it's. I think it's one of those shoot-your-shot kind of things. Okay, yeah. Because I know it's my only shot. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I was good. I was working the apron. I was being a big, loud fucking American. Yeah. Um, and, uh, for, and they weren't always right. I'd see some people giggle occasionally someone would say something and then of course they'd pop for the big spots yeah. and they'd go, oh, yeah, you know. yeah 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 but uh we lost that first night mm-hmm. this was a very american thing it reminded me exactly of an american crowd because i was going back through the curtain i was fucking selling oh, yeah. god damn and there was a, a dad and his kid waiting like right by the curtain they both had their hands out and i was coming back and i had being as heel and so I was just like ah fuck yeah, yeah, yeah. and the dad just like ah like back like just <laughs> totally playful like yeah. not mad but just like that reminds yeah, me yeah, of something yeah. like my dad would do sure. like to his kids like ah just sure. totally not like buying into just right and I was like I was like that's a very like traditionally American thing to do <laughs> the uh, the fans in Mexico see I did two shows in Mexico too mm-hmm. and they were uh, they were very different shows because the first was at Arena Mexico. Right. The arena that CMLL built in right. Mexico City. Yep. A big 16,000 seat yeah. arena. Yeah. And it was a Tuesday show, which is their low show. So, like, I'd say probably 1,000 people there. Sure. If that, still easily the biggest crowd I've ever been in I front mean, of. I mean, of course. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they were pretty responsive. I've noticed, too, and I noticed that the, the days leading up, because I was there for over a week before I had my match. Yeah. But, uh, and we they run shows... Tuesday, Friday, and Sunday in Arena Mexico. Mm. So they run three shows a week right. in that building. Right. And it's cool because a lot of the janitorial staff and concession staff are like wrestlers and trainees too. Oh, yeah, Like yeah, Nitro, yeah. the booker, uh, the guy who brought us over there, he's in charge of concessions. He does the accounting for all the concessions. Oh, shit. Because okay. he started selling – him and his – this was a good story. Him and his wife both started selling tortas in Arena Mexico when they were like eight years old. Yeah. And – then Nitro started training there, <laughs> yeah. kept selling tours and stuff. As he became, a, as he started wrestling, he still was in charge of concessions, and he moved up. Oh yeah. Also, like, yeah, yeah. like he's the he's the concession guy. But like, we go to his office after the shows, and like, all the merchants come with their little tags, and they bring their bags of money in, and he'd be writing shit in his book, and he'd be there till like four a.m. Wow. Like fucking accounting and shit. That's pretty cool. Hell yeah, that's awesome. But uh, the crowd in Corican. I would say when we were there, because we were an undercard match because they couldn't put us on the main show because none of us had work visas Mm -hmm. because we weren't getting paid or anything. Mm. So I would say there's probably about 150, 200 people in Corican at the time we had our match. Maybe more than that because it wasn't, like, empty. There were empty spots, but there were definitely people there. Right. 
And maybe just like them knowing it's a Korokin show and just to be fair, Odawara is like an hour and a half south of Tokyo. Yeah. So like maybe just a more urban crowd or something. They were a little more responsive to like heel work and just like working them and stuff. Right. And uh, the Japanese fans afterwards, and I really like this because we'd be hanging out. And it, one good thing about being a foreigner like that is that people, especially in like those countries, in Japan especially, be when look at my friends Bill and Parviz, who are, you know, six, three, and have these mm-hmm. big beards, and go, wrestlers. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> They'll yeah. come over and, like, pictures. And it's cool just just chilling out, like, not even in your gear, not even backstage. Right. Just, like, just chilling out, and people be like, picture. I was like, fuck yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was cool. And now the Mexican fans are a lot more rowdy. Yeah. And like I said, I noticed they, the ones in Arena Mexico, were real big on booing the faces and cheering the heels, which was... <laughs> And he, here's why okay. my buddy Aaron told me this and why I think the main reason is because if you go and you sit in Arena Mexico, you'll see a lot of white folk. Okay. Apparently Arena Mexico, a big thing, like Fridays are their big shows. That's when I saw, I think they probably had like 12,000 people for one of the Friday shows. It had like a huge main event that God, had damn. like yeah. Negro Casas in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something you need to experience Negro Casas coming out really? yeah. as a heel in Arena Mexico because it's still just... The uh, 12,000 people chanting Negro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, he's a fucking god. Sure. Um, it's a lot of tourists mm-hmm. that will go to the Arena Mexico for those shows and stuff. People who are just, like, visiting and want to do something touristy. He's like, let's go see a Lucha Libre right, show. Right, So that was cool. But we did uh, an American Invasion versus Team Mexico angle at Arena Rey Bucanero. Okay. Which, uh was actually in this mall in Mexico. Actually, a town outside of Mexico City, I think it was like Ecpatec or something like that. Yeah. One of those very Aztec-sounding sure. towns because that's around where we were. Yeah. But, uh, and that was the that was the match that was announced before we even went over there. So they we'd like done press conferences and like a radio interview for it, and it was me, Aiden Cristiano, Jerome Griffey, Ryan Remington, and... Dark Magic, who's one of their American guys that has come down there, against Star Junior, Olympico, Nitro, Ray Bucanero, and Ultimo Guerrero. Nice, yeah. And I fell in love with Ray Bucanero and Ultimo Guerrero watching uh, the World X Cup in TNA. They sure. were on Team Mexico, and I fucking love those guys. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that, I'm trying to figure out. I want to say around like 300 people, probably mm-hmm. in this area they had sectioned off for the show yeah. and just the entire they were not quiet for one really? second. my buddy Aaron had a match with this dude Demonio Infernal um, for the IWRG like middleweight title or something yeah. and Aaron said it was like the hardest hitting match of his life but by the time it was done they were throwing pesos in the ring for him and nice. Demonio who wrestled unmasked but you know like a lot of those Matt Lou George have lost their mask they still come out with it and everything gave Aaron his mask at the end of that match oh, cool. which I was jealous of because you know I got the whole fucking of Lucha Hunter yeah, 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 and everything the thing. Yeah, but yeah. uh I was real happy for him because it was dope because it's, it's a really cool fucking mask yeah, too absolutely but uh the whole like the whole time we were out there for the Mexico versus USA match it was just non-stop Mexico Mexico yeah, yeah, yeah. total like and I'll send you the link later too because yeah. like they're just 
they're exactly the fans you wanted them to be. Right. There was this dude who was screaming us, cussing us, flipping us the fuck off with his little kid in his arms. And then at the time it was <laughs> yeah. over. And this is what I love about Mexican fans. Because I've been to Mexico before. I went in December of 2018 uh-huh. to Monterey with NGX, which is more of a deathmatch fed. I didn't have to do anything crazy. Yeah. But it obviously not in the level of CMLL. And sure. Not guys like Ultimo Guerrero. Sure. Um, but, uh... They just like not it's nonstop after the match, just people coming up taking pictures, yeah. just like and everyone just wanted a picture with you and like especially the girls that we were there with. Yeah, yeah. They wrestled in Arena Coliseo, which is in Tapito, which Alicia watched a show called Dark Tourist, and they said it's the most yeah, dangerous neighborhood I've in the watched, world. I've seen Dark Tourist, yeah. <laughs> but uh, and driving around it, I believe it. Really. But uh, there were there'd be people like. Just outside the hotel, like we, because yeah. our hotel was walking distance to Arena Mexico. Yeah. And we'd go outside, and like Alex and Jalen, the girls who were there, they'd have people like outside. There's a, oh, Alex, like know her name and everything. It's like, picture. And yeah. like, man, I hope they're not just after your skin. Right, <laughs> right. No shit, right? I was going to ask you um, so any, any sketchy encounters in Mexico? You hear all the horror stories of fucking. I no, mean, it depends on where you're at. Obviously, I mean you're not in Tijuana. We were in Mexico City, though. Yeah, Mexico City is fucking. That's yeah. that's the white boy killing a city yes, in the world. Yes, yeah, I was about to say. Um, that's, that's where they're the cops are getting their heads chopped off and shit. So you know, well, br- br- I'm not even kidding. Like Oxos, which are like their gas stations, that's on every corner. You go in there, and like the front page of newspaper would just be very graphic pictures of really? dead bodies and God shit. God dang, yeah, yeah. And like Aaron is straight up like one of our guys, Oz who was like our translator the whole time because he's yeah. the only one that spoke like real fluent Spanish. Mm-hmm. He, uh, the night after the Arena Rebel Canero match, he, he'd had some beers and stuff and he was drunk when they went down to get burgers, him and Aaron, because we were waiting for the girls to come downstairs because yeah. they were going to go out with some, because we made friends with some of the CMLL yeah. guys and uh, we were all going to go out and like just hang after uh, after we went to eat and yeah. Aaron and Oz weren't wanting to like really go out so they just went down to get burgers. Aaron comes back and is like, Oz is in a cop car right now. Uh, like, uh, fuck. Because uh, he, he got caught. He had a beer open and, like, it ended up being not a big deal. He paid right. the cop off, which is pretty common down there. Right. We did find out later he probably paid the cop, like, four times as much as he needed really? to. Because <laughs> we were telling uh, Akuma, one of the local guys who was real uh, real good to us down there about it. And uh, Aaron spoke speaks Spanish pretty well. He's not super fluent, but he's pretty good. Yeah. And he was telling us, like, he just said, like, Oz paid him, like, way too much he could have got oh, like 200 shit. pesos right which was funny but uh oh, well, nothing learn, man. nothing yeah. too sketchy there was a time where we were all walking around the mall and jerome thought that these two guys were kind of tailing us oh really which i never saw him in anything but uh jerome did like he he was walking around with like his beats headphones around his neck and stuff yeah, but yeah but we they told us the very first day like stay in a group don't let the girls go right. anywhere alone because both of the girls are real fucking small girls right, too they're right. like five foot nothing right but uh, nothing, nothing that was too weird. Right on. Um, cause, I mean, we we were just smart. We stuck in a group. Yeah, but it's yeah, one yeah. of those. I was gonna say, if it's a group of of you know stout looking guys, I mean, you know, yeah, you're, right. You're probably pretty safe. Yeah. But uh, man, it's one of those places. Like, you know, it's a bad city when like the guy who's like who like brought you there and is a local there mm-hmm. is telling you like don't go to the bank after 3 p.m yeah <laughs> 3 p.m like not even 3 like at PM, night when yeah. the sun is still up mid-afternoon yeah yeah <laughs> oh no, my it's, god so like, it's like ev- the people there were like super friendly and everything especially mm-hmm. the guys at cmll like 
we made friends with like Magnus and Akuma and Magnus, who's like I think the original Sincara, like yeah. the original Mystico's cousin. Yeah, yeah. he's Caristico now there. Um, he actually direct messaged one of the girls on Instagram. Caristico did the top star in CMLL. Nice. <laughs> those those guys were not the Mexican guys are not shy about that sure, shit at sure. all. But uh, <laughs> man, everyone there was super friendly yeah. and super accommodating though. And, like, same in Japan. Like, everyone mm-hmm. at the dojo, like, treated us. Like, we had to do our green boy shit in the sense of we had, like, train and we had to, like, clean the dojo and shit. But, like, they still treated us like workers. Like, we didn't get yeah. the shit kicked out of us like their green sure. kids did. Like, we weren't sure. getting put in the Boston Crab real tight right, and everything. Right, right, right. Which we did witness. Oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we witnessed one of their vets, like, putting the green kids, like, who hadn't wrestled yet. He actually had his first match while we were there. Yeah. But we were, like, big fucking stiff-ass forearms. Yeah. Just throwing them on Germans and like really cinching that fucking Boston crab in. Yeah. But. Well, if you had to, I mean, obviously they were two very different experiences. They were two very different companies. I mean, like if you had to pick one that you enjoyed most, which trip, which which uh, which tenure did you enjoy the most? I probably have to go with Japan. Really. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that like, the city, like mm-hmm. I could just walk outside and of the dojo and just walk around not like have to be afraid sure of shit yeah like i didn't have to have my head on a swivel tokyo is a very like yep. safe place like yep. there's crime obviously of course, of course. but yeah. like the police force there is very like strict right i found uh, sunny told us while we were over there that like one of the reasons there's so little crime in japan especially from foreigners mm-hmm. is that the japanese can, police can hold you for like up to like 90 days right. with no trial or like absolutely no yeah so just fucking behave yourself yeah but so it was easy to go out there, and there was a. I felt like there was a lot more like English accommodation in Japan, oddly enough. Really, yeah. And that could just be because like Mexico City is like in the middle of Mexico, like it's south. It's not like right there it's, at the it's border. It's on the border of San Antonio or anything. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. uh, Tokyo is a huge tourist destination. Right. Yeah. And like Mexico City was cool. You can definitely see the poverty like mm-hmm. everywhere you look. Right. Which my my friend Aaron, he's got a girlfriend there, and he was telling me that like. Excuse me. He's telling me that, like, it's, like, at their house, they wash their clothes in the sink, mm-hmm. and they use the, the runoff dirty water, they collect it in buckets, and they use that water to flush the toilet so they're not using clean water to flush the toilet. He said, that's pretty normal in a Mexican household. Right, yeah. And, I was, and, like, this is the most metropolitan area of Mexico, you know? Like, and we drove by some of the more, like, touristy places that had, like, the Sheridan and, like, the subway right. and the fucking Shake Shack and right. whatever. But, like, where we were, like, it wasn't, like, a bad neighborhood, but, like, it was still a neighborhood in Mexico City that wasn't necessarily, that was still, like, you know, it wasn't a tourist neighborhood. Like, we had our hotel, and it was walking distance, but, like, you'd still, like, the 7-Eleven across the street, like, the guy working the counter had a bunch of, you know, face tats and stuff, Mm -hmm. which, I mean, here's one thing, but in Mexico, it's entirely another thing, you know? There's a lot less tattooing, like, there for the sake of, like, hipster bullshit, you know? Sure, but absolutely. But no, I I I like Japan. I liked a lot of the like the snacks and the food more, yeah, and yeah. just the aesthetic more. And that's more my style of wrestling. Like right. I like the the hard hitting, uh, semi shoot style with the the fighting spirit and the King's Road. And I was yeah, King's Road. I was gonna I was gonna ask as well. Um, so did you did you try to modify your style at all? Compared the two places, I mean, so obviously the Japanese wants more of the strong style, more of the like, 
I think I think it was Breaker that told me the story about he was he was coming up with a match with one of the guys, one of the Japanese guys, and it was just like I kept telling him to hit him with more like, stuff. Like, then yeah. I'll hit, the, I'll do this, and then he's like more, more, and he's like then I'll do this, and he's more, more, and he yeah. just kept he wanted more and more and more because it needed to elevate and keep growing and whatnot. Yeah, he, he, I remember Breaker telling me that I was like it's good because you get to get your shit in, and yeah. they like it because they look strong, just kicking out mm-hmm. of all your shit. Mm-hmm. Mexico, of like course, for, yeah. for one, lucha matches are fucking weird because we we did mm-hmm. a, we all did our trios stuff, which you know over there it's two out of three falls, right? And each fall is two out of three, <laughs> or if you beat the team captain, sure. So like, my match was me, Oro Junior, and Magnus against Nitro, Aiden Cristiano, and Graco, and so like. I think Nitro was the team captain over there, and Magnus was our team captain. Yeah. But, like, so, like, our first fall, we either had to pin be pin or tap out Nitro and Aiden, yeah. or, or Grocco and Aiden, or get Nitro, and that's a fall. Right. <laughs> so, and, that, and that's really weird. And, like, yeah. the way they do it, like, very few people that have, like, established, like, finishes. Like, Ultimo Guerrero is the only dude I saw consistently. He'd use the modified stretch muffler yeah, yeah. With, the, with the wrist clutch. Right. But other than that, it was very, very fluid. Like, like they gave me a submission to get my fall with on Graco, and it was just this weird, like, half-crab arm trap thing. And yeah. they're like, they're like, flick. Because we, the group developed this thing, Gang Gang, which was, that okay. just became our thing. Yeah. And I was going to do that during my fall. And I did it a bunch during the match, but Nitro was like, no, too small. Out here, being strong, yeah, yeah, fuerte, yeah. fuerte. I was like, okay, which isn't like, it's weird because it's not like me at all. But like, this is what yeah. like the Mexican crowd want, and it's both times you have to find that balance between like what they want and expect, right. and like what you are what authentically. Because yeah. again, it's like I said, going in there, you can't audition and try to just change what you do sure. to fit that, like because. Like, CMLL is going through, like, a transition period right now because they've had some management stuff, and they're in kind of, a, like, a down period. Yeah. They're trying new stuff, which is why I think they let Nitro do these tryouts in the first place, bring in some Americans, some different flavor. Right. And so, like, they don't just want an American guy doing bad versions of Lucha. Because I'll tell you, like, they told us straight up, there are guys who have trained there for a decade that have never even come close to getting a match on Arena Mexico. Right. Guys who start training when they're... Legit 11, 12. There, we met a 13-year-old who'd been training for six years there. Damn. Yeah. And it'll probably be another 10 years before he has a match. Yeah. Like, and that's not... And we got, like, all right, you guys are going to come train for a week and have matches in Arena Mexico. Right. Fucking that's, don't yeah. disappoint us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> Do your best. We know you've never locked up right-handed before, but here <laughs> you go. How was that? So how was... Did you have any issues with the, with the different... You know, the styles like that. Nah, that right. was easy. Really? Um, yeah. The, the tough thing about Lucha, and I've, I've told people, like, after, like, because, like, we really didn't do a lot of strong styles, mm-hmm. like, training in Japan. Like, it was a lot of physical stuff. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time, we didn't do our in-ring training because we had shows that day. And, like, I'll, t- I'll tell you a story later. But we, had, we went to, we were guests at a show one night. Yeah. So, like, there was only a couple of, like, in-ring classes we did. The rest was just, like, workouts and right, stuff. Right, right, right. Um, but I'll tell you, my favorite one that we did, and it was, this was the day that really tested everyone's character in Mexico, uh-huh. was the day we did Dragoncito's class. Okay. And Dragoncito is Ultimo Dragon's, uh, mini. Now they, so they've got, you've got your regular guys, mm-hmm. your minis, and then your micros, which oh, are, the micros okay. are the midgets. Yeah. So the minis are just the really fucking short dudes. Okay. 
but they're fucking incredible. Right. And Ultimo Dragoncito is this little fucking Mexican dude, and he's got this, this voice, and he's really, yeah. really gruff, and he's smiling like this, and he's on it. And it's like, it's almost cartoonish, because yeah. he's legit probably like 4'11", but he's a fucking bad. Right. And so, Arena Mexico, like I said, it's a 16,000-person arena. Yeah. And so, Dragoncito's class, you go up, and you stretch, and you do about five laps around jogging around the top of that on this real uneven concrete that yep. hurts your feet. Yep. And then when you get done with those five laps, the first person in line would fucking get in the stance and bend over, and the next person would have to leapfrog over them, yeah. and then bend over, bend down. and then leapfrog until the end of the line to where the first person that bent over would then have to leapfrog until they got to the end. Then they'd get on their hands and knees, and people would have to hop over them until everyone hopped and has been on their hands and knees and hopped over everyone. Right. Then you'd have to sit down, splay legged, like where everyone's feet are touching, and uh-huh. you'd have to do the football like in and out agility drills between everyone. And then you'd alternate to where one person would be bent over, the next person would be on their hands and knees, the next person would sit with their legs open, right. and then the person after that would be bent over. So you're alternating all those. Right, right, right. And then after doing that for a few rounds, we'd go downstairs and train. Yeah. <laughs> God damn. Yeah. And the training over there, and this is how I've equated like, so with like. American style having its roots in like catch, like freestyle wrestling, sure. and Japanese like strong style and submission wrestling and British. There's like an unlimited number of things you can do. Yeah. And you just you find ways that work and you work them and then you just kind of feel. In lucha, I feel like there's a set number of things. Yeah. Like the op, like the options are much more limited, but they all connect better. Like those old like kind of like pipe puzzles that you'd have to like get the pipe and try to get it to win. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. you can just move stuff and it connects this way and it connects okay. this way because I think that's one of the things about CMLL is like you've got guys, like I said, who've trained there for 10 years before they ever get their first match. Right. They can go on there and they can do these insane spots, just no call because everyone's trained the same way. Right. Which was kind of the tough thing for us because we hadn't been training Lucha for 10 years. Right. But everyone knows how to roll and come up and when they say corvata they know head scissors and they got all the names for you know everything and you can trust a guy when he just goes up top and he just says alita and fucking comes down you know how to feed for him because like he was trained the exact same way as you which is a big advantage for like cml because they can just go and just fucking go right um but that day we just drilled spots over and over and I was blown as shit, and it was, it was that <laughs> shitty, terrible, like, just in between of, like, you go, and you get blown up, and you catch your breath, and then the line is just long enough to where all your adrenaline goes away, and when it's your yeah. turn again, you're not warm yeah, at all. Yeah, yeah, you feel like shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but, like, we had people, we were, like, tripping, and fucking, yeah. and their big thing over there is, like, attitude, attitude, which is their way of saying fucking being character, have emotion and charisma and stuff. And that, that day, I'll bring up, I was one of the only ones who was able to consistently keep that up, which is how I kept my breath. Right. Because I fucking hit the clothesline. And I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And suck, and suck fucking, my air for a second. Yeah. And luckily, and this was like the highlight of the trip for me is like, I got done and like Ultimo Dragon Seed called me a chignone. Uh, Aaron was like, he's called you a badass motherfucker. And I was like, hell yeah. Because like a lot of they were getting frustrated, they were getting screwed up in it. And there yeah. was one I was I was doing I was running one of these sequences with one of their green kids, and he went to do like a kip up after one of his stuff, and he fell, and I laughed uh. at him <laughs> like I would in a match. <laughs> and Ultimo Dragon Cito liked that a lot. So, but I just like because like meeting him was like 
it was like in a fucking movie. Yeah. Because you go all the way up to, there are three rings in there. There's the show ring down in the bottom. You go upstairs and there's a training ring. And then there's this real tight, shitty spiral staircase. Yeah. It goes up to the gym. And you'd love this gym because the windows there are just these slits that are cut uh-huh. into the building. They don't close. So no matter uh-huh. what temperature it is, like yeah. there's air coming That's in. That's what it feels like. Yeah. And there's just these rusty weights and there's a few fucking cable machines. And it's that. Yeah. I guarantee you, you're exactly imagining the lighting, that dim, like, yeah, yellow, yeah, orange, yeah. just shoe <laughs> just, that's over everything. Yeah, yeah. You just feel the sweat in the air. And Ultimo Dragon Zero is this fucking, this old, short Mexican guy in this fucking uh, stocking cap, like yeah. Mick from Rocky, and he's, yep. and he's just, like, he looks like he fucking couldn't fucking beat the paint off a brick wall <laughs> and fucking and then he gets in there in his ultimo dragon cedo stuff and he's fucking just right it's like fucking it's man, it's something yeah. out like a kung fu movie like this little old like he felt like ginkai right <laughs> right <laughs> all right hold on. all right yeah i was gonna ask you actually because i'm a i wanted to i wanted to know like what the gym and what the weights and stuff looked like because i'm such a huge fan of like it's one of the reasons I like this room we're in now. And this isn't even, this is as close to like an old, like shitty weight room you can get around right. this area. But I like, I like iron weights. I like dirty brick walls. I don't really give a fuck about mirrors anywhere. Like there's no mirrors in this gym. Um, you know, there's, there's some modern like bumper CrossFit plates and yeah. stuff out there too. But there's lots of just old ass iron plates. There's fucking shitty paint on the walls and there's there's it's exactly what it was yeah it was I, I love that you know i i'm a huge fan of like that so what about uh, did you see so did you did you get to go into the weight room in japan what what was that like yeah it was it was fine because the thing about the wrestle one dojo is that it's at this uh it used to be called the i think the so the gin one like sports palace mm-hmm. or something but they share it with a lot of stuff so like sure. uh i know some of the stardom girls train there Oh, but yeah. they also do K1 kickboxing training there. Okay. So, for when you walk in and there's, like, a lobby because there's, like, freestyle wrestling and compare classes there. And, like, some kids do, like, martial arts. So, like, parents will sit in the lobby and I forget the movie. is a Capoeira movie. It's, yeah. like, only the strong survivor or something like that. Okay. It was like from the early 90s. Played on a loop for, like, a week before any of us changed it out. <laughs> and longer than that because Rene Dupree was, like, I've been watching this movie for two months. <laughs> Shit. But if you go upstairs, like, one way, which I never went, there's, like, the Capoeira room. Mm-hmm. So you And you go down, like, the hall, and that's where, like, our dorms were for the guys yeah. who were, like, staying there. And, like, my room was on the right, and there's a laundry room. And you go up one floor, and I'm trying to remember the exact layout. I think you go up one floor, and that is, I believe, where the weight room is. You go in, and to the left is a weight room, and it's shared. Mm-hmm. And to the right, like, walk through the door to the left, but... Because it's all one room, technically. Right. To the right is a a K1 kickboxing ring with, like, heavy bags and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wondered if we could use the heavy bags, but they told us probably just, like, leave that stuff alone. Oh, yeah. But the the weight room was pretty minimal. It was fine. Like, it was, like, newer weights. Like, the Mm -hmm. weights, they weren't, like, the iron dumbbells. Yeah, yeah, Like, had the plastic coating on it. It was fine. Like I said, especially after I hit my foot, I didn't, like, lift a ton. I did, like, a shoulder day while I was there. But other than that, we were also, like, just running around a lot. And then just the other workouts were burning. Like, it's in Mexico, like, for that first week, we were doing, like, two-a-day training. So so I didn't lift. I was struggling to get enough calories as it was. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, But, uh, yeah, the weight room in Japan was real basic. But after that, if you went up, there was this big uh, gymnasium floor. 
that had a, a wrestle one ring and then a K1 kickboxing ring. And that's where we, and then if you walk across the gym and you go down the staircase, there's this entire room that's just like wrestling mats on the floor. And we spent a day in there. Oh yeah. Um, so we had a couple, a few real good amateur wrestlers in there and a couple of guys who'd done some submission grappling. So yeah, right on. we spent a day in there, but yeah, the, the, the weight room in Mexico, it, it had that real good old school feel to it. There was yeah. like a, just this metal, just like push up bar. You could hear pull up yeah. bar where you could hear creak and shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was like a cable machine, but like it, it fucking squeaked yeah. and rattled Rusty and, and yeah, just yeah. a right, good old <laughs> flat bench and iron weights. Right. And like, I don't even... There was like maybe twelve dumbbells total. I don't even know sure, how that yeah. would be fucking win. Random probably, weights. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, so Japan. What's the uh, what's the takeaway from that? Wasn't it? You got an experience specifically that you really took away that you enjoyed, or a lesson learned, anything like that you took away from it? Any particular meeting or advice you received or something you maybe saw, just anything that really stands out as like one of the better, like, like oh yeah, man, Japan was cool. Like, man, it's so weird because it was just everything. Right. Like, sure, sure. Just it's, a, seeing, it's a culture experience, you know. It really time. is. Like, yeah. to a greater extent than Mexico was, I think, because mm-hmm. I'd wanted to go to Japan for so long. Because sure. I, I was a big anime kid when Absolutely. I was a kid. And, it's one of my dreams to go just as a tourist. Sometime. Yeah, and Japanese wrestling, like, I found it when I was, like, in high school and stuff. I was like, oh, this is mm-hmm. different. Because, like, I, I was able to immediately equate, like, King's Road style to, like, mm-hmm. anime fights. I was like, okay, this isn't, like... Because a lot of, like, independent wrestling now that they that gets shit on is just, like, it's, it's bad mimicking of, like... Yes. Because it's not... Because it was... King's Road and Strong Style never was like, oh, this doesn't hurt. It's I'm hurt and I'm fighting through it anyway. Right, 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 it's right. not I'm such a badass that you can't hurt me. It's like I'm such yeah. a badass you're going to hurt me and I'm going to get up and hurt you worse. Yeah. Um, but, man, I don't – the big takeaway was just like – I guess how important like work ethic is there. And it's the mm-hmm. same one from Mexico. The Mexican training was actually harder than yeah. the Japanese one because the air quality is so bad there yeah. and the elevation so high. Right. It was fucking awful. But uh, just, like, the amount of work, like, we're spoiled over here in a bad way to yeah. how easy it is to get into wrestling. I wish sure. I'd started in one of those places where I did have to train for years and could start when I was, like, yep. really young. Super young, And yeah. just have the basic, like, fundamentals down. Because I'm sure me and Luke have talked to you before, just in locker rooms, about, like, our training was not that great mm-hmm. initially. And, like, that's the story of a lot of guys over mm-hmm. here. They find somewhere that'll train. It's like, all right, you can bump and you can sell. I guess you're ready to have a match. It's which it's. I mean, you hit the nail on the head just a few moments ago when you said it's way too easy to become a wrestler over here. It's beyond easy. It's it's ridiculous. It's sometimes as easy as somebody no call no showed, and you look around and go, that guy learned how to bump two nights ago, right? Put him in that mask. Fuck that, man. I, I, I'm so disgusted by things like that, and it just happens everywhere. And you know what? Every fucking company, even the best ones, you know, quote-unquote best ones, are guilty of it. And it's, it's, it's sad, man. But anyway, yeah, you hit the nail on the head with that. No, so, and I yeah. think, like, going back to, like, the cultural stuff, it has to do with how wrestling's viewed. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. viewed as something culturally or athletically important. Like, right. there's no prestige. It's just a fucking... You know, yeah, it's just a shit. It's, it's a, a it's show, a, it's but a, it's like it's an act or a circus or whatever. I don't know, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's not nearly as respected. Yeah, because like I'm sure there are places like that in Mexico, but like and Japan, 
like I know there are shit feds in like all those places, yeah. you know, because like wrestling's still going to be wrestling, of but course. like it's not like proliferated like it is in America, where it seems like just anyone can. Mm-hmm. And like I'm, I'm not a huge old school like yeah. guy, but like I do think there needs to be some sense of like policing of like yeah like. I've I've met the guy maybe once. Derek James probably doesn't need to be wrestling, right. let alone the heavyweight champion of somewhere, because he's a local guy and like like and like that kind of booking in general. Sure, like sure. Spider should have never been on shows uh, in the state, let alone advertise just because he's going to bring local people yeah, to the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I get like you got to sell tickets and stuff. But I understand. Like, yeah. The same people who like bitch about like the business dying and you got to do this for the business and everyone's going are the same people who are doing that. And I was like, that's not. Yeah, that's good for your business. It's not good for the business. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's very selfish. It, it absolutely is. I, I've met trainers because, like, my whole thing with training, like, I'm not trying, I'm not going to, like, beat the shit out of someone until they run off. But, like, I remember once I was, uh, I was helping out with a class and some guy was talking while I was talking. Mm-hmm. And just as a joke, I, I, I said something like, you talking about like what are you talking he's like sorry i was like sorry piece of shit i ever seen just totally as a joke yeah i guess he sent the guy who owned the gym a message is like i didn't come here to be talked to like that and blah 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 and the gym owner had talked to me he was like you need to take it easy like maybe you were just joking but you can't do that because you know i need these guys to stick around and pay their dues because i got to keep the lights on i was like yeah. I get you trying to keep the and like I didn't say yeah, anything yeah. at the time because it's not my place. It's his gym, whatever. I'm not a full time trainer there. Sure. They're not my students. Sure. But it's one of those like because I've I've been told before too in other class like show them something cool. You know, don't just drill the don't just drill the same shit over and over. They've they've right. done this. We want to keep them in. We want to keep them paying their yeah, dues. So keep them keep, interested. Keep yeah, the, yeah, I was yeah. like, it's their job to be interested. Yeah. Like fuck yes, it is. It's not God my job damn. to keep them interested. This isn't like. So, so I, I was just about to, I mean, uh, I don't want to cut you off, but nah, you, you've, hit, you've fucking hit something because it's something that I do with a little bit of wrestling training that I've been doing here. And all my wrestling training is one-on-one with people that can pay a, a decent amount. And, but also the personal training that I do on a daily basis, I tell people, I'm like, hey, right off the bat, you, I want you to know what you're getting into. You're going to do the same thing a lot. Because if you're not good at it and you can't progress properly, I'm not going to move you on to something different just for the sake of, oh, I don't want them to just get bored because they have to do push-ups every time they train with me. Motherfucker, if you get really good at push-ups, you're going to get the results that you want in the first place. Like, I mean, it's, it's just something that I, I do understand. I mean, it sucks because I'm not the owner of a gym and a, and a trainer or anything either. Like, and like wrestling-wise, I know that they're like, man, we got to... Like I know, I know we need to drill them on the basics, but man, let's go ahead and like throw in a, a, a head scissors tonight or something right. just to just to keep them interested. And occasionally you know? that's okay. Sure, but you can't, man, you can't do it, you know, and then forsake the fundamentals and and not teach them properly because, like you said, and that hits the nail on the head, man. It's their job to be interested. I mean, they want to become wrestlers, right? So trust the process and put the work in. I mean, yeah, right, and like. I get not everyone's got the same goals in wrestling. Sure. Like you and I are like perfect example. You've never had the same absolutely ambitions absolutely. that I have, and I've always had the the biggest ambitions. Right. And Luke's somewhere in the middle Without of that. Without a doubt, yeah. You know, and you look at guys like JD and Alex who just want their scene to be the best it can be. Yeah. 
it's but it, it frustrates i i've been in cars with guys who tell me like for the first three months of their training they weren't allowed to get in the ring and i'm right. just like fuck i wish i'd have done that because yeah. my wind would probably be better yeah i'd probably have a better grass like when i'm working veterans and they're like do this and i like i can do my spots and i know my character or whatever but there's like my whole career there's been just little gaps mm -hmm. in my knowledge because like my training wasn't as complete as it should have been sure and that's not, and you can't blame that on the students either because they're just going to do what they're told. Absolutely. You yeah. know, if someone tells that you're ready for suplexes, like, oh, I guess I'm ready I for suplexes. Ready for suplexes yeah. But I've seen guys have matches who, like, can't do their front rolls. Right. And they work hard and, like, maybe they've got a shoulder problem or something. I was like, right. maybe you should get that shoulder fixed for you do matches, man. Right. Like, yep. Nope. You're absolutely like, right. And again, it's just by, like, got to keep the lights on. I was like, what about everyone else's lights? Yeah. Because again, if people talk about, Young bucks are killing this business. This bit you can't go out there and tell a story. I was like, maybe no one can, can tell a story because we're skipping storytelling to keep them interested. Right. <laughs> like that's that's perfect, man. Absolutely. Like it's it's really frustrating because like I don't want people's journeys in wrestling to be as like as hard as frustrating as mine has been. Sure. Because it's all I've I've wanted since I was a kid, right. and I remember. It really dawned on me, like, kind of how long I've been and how far I'd come when uh, a couple years ago, I think in August, I'd done this Michael Elgin camp. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember when me and Luke would do seminars and stuff early on, and we'd be, like, the best ones there or something. I'd be like, fuck yeah, we're the best ones. And we've only been to one year, two years, three yeah, years. Yeah. And, like, I'd routinely be one of the youngest guys there when I was, like, 21, 22. I was like, okay. Yeah. And... Because of, like, little gaps in my knowledge and me not really – not being a good business person, not really knowing how to hustle and, like, go for bookings, sure. I stagnated for a while. Like, I kept progressing in a lot of areas, but as far as, like, career trajectory, I right. tend to stagnate. Right. And I was at that Elgin camp, and I was watching everyone else go. I was kind of assessing. I was like, all right, I think I'm, like, the best one here. And it occurred to me, I was like, Graham, you've got the most experience, and you're – probably the oldest or second oldest one here you should be the best one right here. right 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 and i kind of took that mentality with me to like mexico and japan yeah because i was like instead of like kind of walking around like still walking around confidently but with, with that humbling factor it's like yes you're you're the best one you may be the most complete performer out of like these groups or this group or that group mm -hmm. but you should be and that's yeah. It becomes less of a less of a badge and more of a responsibility, right? To okay. to help because there were guys uh, when I went to Mexico, there were two guys there who had watched me wrestle before they ever started training. Yeah, there was a guy who had seen me in Texas and MPX with Luke, and there was a guy who used to watch IZW regularly when me before when they were still in high school and shit. Right. Nice. I was like, it's not my job to just necessarily be the best one here, and like right. I've got to without being. Because I, I do try to give advice where I feel I'm qualified to mm -hmm. without being too much of a, yeah. a vet. But at this point, I do have close to a decade of experience in wrestling. Yeah. And I've learned things. And I've Absolutely. heard things from people like guys like Michael Elgin and Kaz Hashi and Ultimo Guerrero, who right. I've been in the ring with and talked with and Absolutely. been lucky enough to get advice from. I think it, who, it more than qualifies you to be able to, to talk about somebody's performance and, and give them honest feedback without a doubt. I have, I have no doubt at all. But, yeah, like you said, like – there is a point to where it kind of becomes, uh, uh, I mean, it's you're kind of obligated. Like, you know, I really should be the best one here. Like, right. I've been doing this so long and I've done so much. Like, I should be the best one here. But, you know, 
Anyway, man, yeah, no, I, I totally, I totally, totally agree with all that. And uh, I wish that training was held to a little bit different standard around here. Um, I mean, you know, like you said, we, we've all got our different paths and goals and wrestling and whatnot. I don't, I don't, I've said it on this podcast recently, but like, I don't, I don't plan on wrestling for very much longer at all. I, I'm shocked that I'm even doing this little run that I've done and I'm, very much like turning down bookings. Like, I'm just like, no, I, I really don't. I was like, I'm not back into it. I don't want to come to Texas this weekend. I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not doing that. And then there's been a few times when people have approached me and I've just thrown out an astronomical number and been like, please don't, don't say yes. Just don't say yes. Like, yeah, like, I'll, I'll come. I drive by myself and I need 500 bucks. I'm like, that's it. I need half of it in PayPal before I get in the car. You know, like I'll, I'll say that. And I'm like, please don't accept the offer because I really don't want to go, you know, and, and they don't, they don't, I don't blame them either. I'm not, I don't, I don't, I would not be, I'm not a $500 talent, but uh, that's, that's kind of where I'm at, man. Right now, all I'm wanting out of wrestling is the little bit of fun that I'm having. I have some opponents left that I really kind of want to face around this area. And then I really just want to focus on training and stuff. And I don't, I'm not ever going to be, well, I, I guess I can't say never. I'm not looking to open a school or anything, but I love training one-on-one -on -one with guys and it's a fundamental course. That's all it is. It's a fundamental course. Like that, that, that is it. I will teach you the very, very basics of wrestling. And you know, the, the guy that I train with on Thursday nights, I'm like, every night will be two hours. The first 60 minutes will be lifting weights. That's it. Or various. I mean, the fundamentals are about the only thing in wrestling that yeah. needs to be taught. Because yeah, look true. at all the cool stuff. Yeah. That's just athleticism. Exactly. And it's all yeah. just some version of the fundamentals. A 450 is, can you do these rotations, and then can you open up and take a front right. bump? Right. Like, and like, yeah, it's one of these old things that gets preached by the old guys. But, yeah. like, the fundamentals, like, it's the basis of everything. Yeah. And I'll tell you, having trained... At Wrestle One and in America and yeah. in Mexico, I've I told I've told people this since I've been back. I was like, if I was starting training, mm -hmm. like I would tell people to start training in lucha. I think it's the most yeah. foundational style really? of any because just the emphasis they put on roles and space and timing. Like mm -hmm. everyone thinks lucha's head scissors and the fucking flips and the runas and the springboards right, right. and walking on the ropes and front flip landing on your feet and the yeah. big dive. The the one thing that was drilled to us over and over and over and over and over, and what my partner, Oro Jr., told me before I went out there, because he was, like, nervous, I was, like, excited. Yeah, it, yeah. it was that same feeling before I went out for court, yeah. and I was like, I fucking belong here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm fucking, it's going to be yeah. great, because feeling I'm it. fucking Graham Bell, yeah, yeah. and I'm fucking good. <laughs> and it, he's just like, space and timing. And his English is shit, but he's like, space, timing, space, timing, space. Because that's what it is. Because, yeah, the head scissors are cool, but you got to know... Mm -hmm. Because they do this thing over there on their three-quarters roll, which are the bait, like, they drill, like, because they drill these head scissors and these ranas and these aren't these springboard arm drags. They drill them like we drill body slams and hip tosses. Sure. Those are their basics. Right. And it's all space and timing. That's why you notice all the, the Rudos are these big guys who can base and all the, the Technicos are the smaller flyers. Because yeah. they work in conjunction. Right. But like, the three-quarter roll, they do this thing. You know, we're taught with roll come up and you turn around and you yeah. do roll you come up there if you do that you'll get shit on because they'll think you're no selling their shit but you also have to get up fast enough to where you're ready for the next thing because lucha right. is go 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 right. which is why the space and timing is so important yeah. so that it doesn't get all fucking right. calmed together they do this thing called the double register so you know like when you do your your three-quarter roll you fucking <laughs> slap the mat when you come up and yeah so what they do is 
when you do that first slap, you shift your hips over and you do a second one. And okay. that's just a timing thing. It's yeah. just like a metronome beat. It, oh, that's the only right. purpose. Yeah, yeah. Because it, boom, boom, that's your cell. Now you can start getting up. Right. And it's, because, you know, so often it's like, take this, immediately feed up into take this. Right. Or it's like, take this and sell it, and I'll be here when you feed up. Right. And with Lucha, the space and timing, there's so much more of a middle area you have to hit. Because right. I will say that's one of the easier slash lazier things about America. I will say, American wrestling, and I say this in a sense as a compliment, you look at Strong Styles more the shoot, Lucha's more the uh, the pageantry and that yeah. crap. America is, America is the lazy style. Right. Like the Memphis, it's like, what can we get the most out of doing the least? It's yeah. probably the most efficient wrestling sure. yeah, yeah, in, a, yeah. in a lot of sense. But it's like, luckily it came out of like shitty people not wanting to do a ton of work, but wanting to make a lot of money. Uh, yes. But it's, but that tends to deal with American wrestling dealing in extremes. It's like, you come up and you keep taking, you keep bumping and feeding as fast as you can. Mm -hmm. Boom, boom, boom. Or just take your time. I'll come get you when I'm ready. Yeah. Which, like I said, in Lucha, there's that middle ground. You need to, like, they teach you to do that double register, but eventually you drop that to where you just, you just sell, and now you're up, and now we're ready to go to the next thing, and you're where you need to be in the ring. Right. And they tell you how to fix your positioning. If we're doing the little. Fucking, you throw them down where they're face down, flip them over, grab their hand, they kip up, arm drag. Yeah. If they're going to throw you into the ropes when you kip, kip them up, you fucking turn so that when they drag you, you're going corner to corner instead. Right. I think Lucha is the, the best foundation for any style of wrestling. I think that's why a lot of Japanese guys go there on their excursions yep. and stuff. Yep. Um, they even have a, a lot. There was yeah. a New Japan guy on excursion there while I was there. Yeah. And there was a, a Japanese veteran, this guy named Okamura, who's just a CMLL regular. Yeah. That was one of the highlights of that trip was introducing myself in Japanese to him. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> and it, made, awesome. it made me feel like a badass. Right. I walked up to this Japanese dude and I was like, Hajime Mashite. Yeah. And he's like, oh! <laughs> that's pretty awesome, man. I dig that. Absolutely. Well, that's pretty cool, man. I, I don't, um, other than the one thing I did want to discuss with you today is, is the, the local stuff, stuff that you've done before. And I don't know if you've done much after, but the soldier misfortune stuff, I did. I really wanted to talk about that just a little bit. For sure. So, I mean, where does that, where does that spawn from? Where did you start coming up with the ideas for shooting those styles of videos? And, uh, what do you got about that? Soldier of misfortune. I'm trying to figure out exactly like, cause I remember just before, like, the whole social media, like, content craze became a thing, and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm kind of bummed that I had the idea and I kind of missed the boat on it, mm -hmm. in a sense. Just, like, do, like, a series with my character, mm -hmm. because, like, a lot of people, they'll hear, hear Mercenary, and they'll be like, okay, so you're this fucking, this badass dude, yeah. you know, like, but it's not that, it's, because it's very Deadpool Cable inspired. Like, yeah. that was the original inspiration okay. yeah. for it. Because me and Luke were trying to figure out, like, we need some kind of character yeah. and everything. And I had the idea, just this image in my head of, like, coming out with, like, a bazooka. I was like, that's cool. And this was, like, you know, four years ago or, like, Okada's coming out with the big sword and the yeah. raptor and shit. Yep. Like, big entrance shit like that was kind of... Then I was like, man, a bazooka would be fucking cool. Yeah. And I was just thinking, like, what if we were just, like... And the mercenary thing kind of came out because, like, we were these two really good, really professional guys mm -hmm. who really didn't have a home and we just went this place and this place and this place and we did did the job. Yeah. <laughs> and, fuck. Yeah. and so, like, it was, like, it wasn't a conscious thing, but I think that was kind of born out of that, like, subconsciously. Yeah. But I decided, like, man, it would be good to have, like, some outside of wrestling stuff to just kind of, like, flesh out the character. And that's sure. where the original... Because I had the idea in my head for a while, 
but uh, before we ever filmed anything. And then I decided, like, I had this match with uh, Parnell coming up. It was like, and this was before he was ever just Warhorse. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, this would be a good one to do because I know about this match way in advance and right. I've got an idea. Because originally I wanted to just do, like, these weekly episodes and I was going to do, like, small build-up to it. And I was just like, oh, fuck it. I don't have time to do these small episodes and so we'll just do it straight into that. Right. And I tried to do some filler episodes for a while Yeah. and it, it occurred to me, like, the best way to do these is just to film arcs. Mm-hmm. And th- that way I don't have these big gaps in release schedules. Right, right. Which... Japan and Mexico, like, it's been a good while, like, over six months now, because the last thing we put out was the end of the Ryder Cup thing with me and Luke. Yeah. And I've got the next two arcs written, and we've got an episode filmed. But another problem with that is that, like, I'm working with other people's schedule. It's not a promo. It's not a bazooka video where I, like, even the bazooka videos, I need, like, a cameraman because I need someone who can, like, track shit coming out of it. Like, it's not something I can just do with a tripod and stuff. Right. And unfortunately, I live in a town where there aren't any other wrestlers, really. Right. So that's that's been really difficult. And, like, with Soldier of Misfortune, there's only so long it's going to be, like... Because, you know, it's it's structured like a television show. It's not yeah. a promo or a little vignette. It's a series with characters and stuff. And so there's only so so much we can have scenes and just... Yeah. James's kitchen yeah. with just me and him and we got to introduce other people but then it's like when the fuck do we do that right. and like how does it fit into this arc because again you, I, having one off episodes with that is really tough the only one off episode I think I really liked was our Thanksgiving episode yeah. and, and that was just a fucking silly holiday special right <laughs> but like because this next one I'll, I'll give a fucking sneak peek yeah, this yeah, next yeah. one deals with uh James's character Legault being trained to become a field agent and part of that is um, going down to this gym and having uh, one of the rest, Jason Jones is like mm-hmm. a trainer but then we gotta get like when can I get down there when can I get down there with James when is JJ gonna yeah. have time to get down there with us do those lines and in addition to just like you know teaching his class yeah. you know and then like Okay, well, I hope we can do this scene that's outside of the gym before the sun goes down yeah. in the winter. Yeah. Like, there's so many things that make it so hard to, like, put get that released consistently. And that's one reason that I didn't... Like, I was slated to do a couple more bazooka videos before I left for Mexico, but the weather yeah. was just too shitty. Sure. Yeah. I'm going to hit them pretty hard in spring, but... And then there's... For the bazooka videos, there's a financial aspect. Like, I have to get shit to shoot out of right. it. And, like... I don't want to just be grabbing random shit in my house because, like, I, the first episode was a stuffed animal that I had. I was like, this will be a good first episode. Yeah. But, like, then it's like, I spent $40 on a Christmas tree because I thought it was worth the visual of setting it on fire. And yeah. I believe I was correct. Sure. <laughs> when it was all said and done, I believe I was correct. But, like, the egg video was, like, I spent, like, not a ton of, like, on eggs and stuff, but I got a fire extinguisher and I bought yeah. some lighter fluid and, like, yeah, yeah. the egg one was a little bit of a letdown, but there was some good, like, material, like, the right. gif of me, like, the eggs just falling out yeah, of the yeah, 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 so. It's good shit, yeah. And I'll get back on that and then I'm going to start doing just more promos in general because that's what, promos is what really helped Warhorse mm-hmm. and everything. It's tough because I'm also not in a position where where all my matches are advertised. Like, you got this show on Saturday, be there. Right, right. But... So, but I, I would really like to continue Soldier of Misfortune. Mm-hmm. It got a lot of good feedback. Yep, I it, really enjoyed them, yeah. It is tough because, like, you got to put them up on YouTube because they're mm-hmm. around five minutes long. Mm-hmm. And I try to, I 
re- I'd really love to keep them not any longer than that. Sure. Like, I'd rather do more episodes and keep them five minutes in length. Yep. Yep, yep. But the bazooka ones, I've edited those down to where they can be, they're two minutes and 20 seconds mm-hmm. or less, so I can put them up on Twitter. Cause, and that's just the way it is now. Yeah. I'll upload the Soldier Misfortune videos to Facebook, too. They always get more views on Facebook than they do Twitter. Yeah. Which is, or YouTube, I mean. Mm-hmm. Which is wild, because... Just a few years ago, like you put your shit up on YouTube. That's where yeah. people will fucking yeah, yeah, go and yeah. find That's it. Where you go, yeah. But now it's fucking it's scroll. Here's a video. I'll yep. sit here. I'll for stop a, and watch. I won't it, click yeah. on a link, but I'll stop and just kind of see what. Yes. Because like this. <laughs> That's kind of like the the fucking tiger pit of Facebook. He's like, this video could be 30 seconds or 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. We're going to find out. Yeah. And then you're two minutes in, and it's like, well, I'm invested now. Yep. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know how many times it's happened to me. Absolutely, man. I know exactly but, how it goes. Yep. So well, right on. Well, what's, uh, what's the future got for Graham Bell? What do you got on your menu right now? You got anything specific? Uh, see, um, yesterday I was at... Carrollton, Texas for world class, and I'll probably be mm-hmm. semi-regular there. They're doing a weekly show there yep. every yep. Thursday now. Tomorrow I have uh, Natural State Wrestling or World Class Wrestling Association. They go back and forth between their company name. It's weird, but yeah. it's a real good show. In Ar- it's a real good show in Arkansas. They've got a great uh-huh. fan base they've created and good. a good roster. I'm wrestling Pineapple Jack. All right. Uh, right. And then later that, I'm bouncing out of there early after I beat his ass because I've got a show in Gravette, Arkansas, about 40 minutes away. Nice. Pulling that, uh, that double shot. Absolutely. And then Sunday, I've got All-Star Pro. I'll be tagging with Luke, which we don't do a whole lot anymore, sadly, mm-hmm. but I'll tag with him against uh, Tino Valentino and Antonio Vega. Right. I'm trying to figure out. Next week, I will be going up to Akron, Ohio for AIW's new talent initiative show. Nice. I've had pretty good luck with tryouts recently, right. so there you go. confident in this one. There you go. Um, the beginning of March, I've got Mid-States Wrestling in Harrison, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. I think the weekend after that's open. I've got WCWA again in March, and I'm trying to fill out April and May right now. But, uh, man, a lot of stuff right now, I'll tell you, because you were talking about like different ambitions and goals mm-hmm. and stuff, and everyone's going... The thing that I think's helped me a lot, for one, the whole Japan thing yeah. has given me this like sense of being bulletproof. Sure, self-confidence, man. Yeah, it is because, and I'm sure you can relate to this in a sense. Like you do this for so long, mm-hmm. and you can have enough confidence, and you, and you can have everyone tell you how good they think you are. But when you don't, you quote unquote don't have anything to show for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I like by the time I did that tryout, it was right before my eight years in wrestling, mm-hmm. and I just like. In this eight years, everyone's telling me, but like, yeah. people are passing me by. I'm not making yeah. a living off this. I'm not on the huge shows or right. anything. And I'll see guys who are year two years in. They're on these big GCW cards, and it makes you wonder. Yeah, passing the trial for that gave me a great sense of no one can ever invalidate me. Right, right, right. Because you don't get to just go to Japan. You can yeah. fly yourself and work for a shit show, but like, you don't get to go over there and like this was before I ever knew I had a match over there yeah post Kirk and Hall like no one can ever tell me I'm not a good wrestler because right. you don't get to wrestle in Kirk and Hall if right. you're not a good wrestler sure same with CMLL like no one can tell me like I didn't earn that because yeah. if I hadn't earned that they wouldn't have let me in the they fucking ring do it yeah without a doubt man so that's it's a big self-confidence thing and ever since I got back from Japan I've gotten a lot more comfortable with saying no to mm-hmm. bookings. Because for a long time, like, I've always had this weird, maybe not even so weird, but this romanticized idea of of wrestling. Because I've always wanted to be that fucking world-traveling journeyman mm-hmm. who's just been everywhere. And, like, yeah. 
you can see it in even the aesthetic of my entrance. The guy who just shows up, mm-hmm. walks in the door out of nowhere in the trench coat and the goggles yeah, yeah. and pulls up a seat at the bar. Where the fuck's he come from? Right. Where is he going? Yeah. I really, I've always liked that character and I, I dig thinking of myself that way. And Yeah. But, uh. Having a family now yeah. helps a lot because, like, you, I won't throw out, like, an astronomical number, like 500, but yeah. I'll throw out, like, yeah. all right, That's you want me idea. to come here, yeah. I'll do it for 150. Sure. And they're like, well, we can't do that. It's yeah. like, well, I can stay home then. Right. Or, like, we can do 120. I was like, okay, that'll work. Yeah. Or it's like, yeah, I'll do your show if I can bounce early and go to this other show 40 minutes away. Gotcha. Yeah. And they, and Make another, yeah, yeah. And being able to, like, say no to those for one, like... I can pick up more hours at my shoot job, which I don't like talking about because sure. it's not yeah. as romantic. But absolutely, but like, which I I like my shoot job because it works with my schedule. Like I was able mm-hmm. to just tell them like I'm not gonna be here for about a month because I'm going to Japan, right. and then two months later I'm not gonna be here for about a month because I'm going to Mexico. And they're like, All right, man, see you when you get back, <laughs> yeah. which is super dope. Of them. That's great, yeah. But uh, like this weekend, like I don't like to throw numbers out there or anything, but this weekend, like I'm making not counting like the merch, mm-hmm. what I may make off merch, like I'm making like a fairly respectable like equivalent of like a weekly paycheck there for like 40 hours a week just off wrestling Absolutely. because I was able to find these shows in this area yeah. and not only that make them work but like it's one of those things like I said like I I always felt for a long time like I gotta be somewhere every weekend right With, even if I wasn't like making money if I was just breaking I gotta be somewhere yeah 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 and I'll tell you one thing that really helped kind of get me out of that mindset and Again, War Horse and Parnell in general has just been so great for my mindset. Because mm-hmm. one of the main things he talked about, I remember, I'll get back to this. I like, I fucking I go off on these weird things. No, that's good. But, go uh, for it, man. This was like a year and a half or two years ago or something. We were, we were in a car. We were going fucking somewhere. And he mentioned, like, uh, we were just talking about, like, goals and stuff. And mm-hmm. he, we got on WWE, and he was like, I don't want to be in WWE. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not my goal. Mm-hmm. Like, that doesn't seem fun to me I think is what he said or that's at least how I heard it for sure yeah and I thought that for a long time because I even hearing like Breaker talk about being in NXT and stuff mm-hmm. I was like man that doesn't sound like right. what I think wrestling is or because there are a lot of guys out there who I like to describe as designed to be signed they're these big jack dudes who wrestle mm-hmm. maybe once a month for the right play and then they get these tryouts and I was like okay they're trying to get a contract to yeah make. and like Talking with Parnell and having that discussion helped me realize that for a long time I thought my dream was to be in the WWE. And I realized it wasn't. My dream had always been to be a professional wrestler. Mm-hmm. And I equated that to being in WWE because that's what wrestling was to me as a kid. Right, right. Now that I, like, especially in this day and age in America where there's, again, like most people in mainstream society don't know who War Horse is, but he's making his living off of absolutely. pro wrestling. He's doing it, yeah. And absolutely. I was like, as much as I would still love to be in WWE and I'd love to have that WrestleMania main event, it's not going to mean I didn't accomplish my dream if I don't do that. Right. I know plenty of guys who will tour Japan for six weeks and come home for six weeks and then tour for six weeks mm-hmm. and come home. And I was like, if I can do that and make a living, like, yeah. I just want to make a living. I just want to be a professional wrestler. Right. And like, I'm so, like, sorry, not sorry. Like, I want to do my art the way I want to do it. Like, yeah. I understand there's a right eight minute opening match to have like sure. I don't need to like that's not the time for me to do my falsies but do that but at the same time I need to not compromise who I am or like I don't ever really want to be like the guy that goes for a tryout at the performance center and I was like well we'll never hire you as a wrestler but you can be a ref 
Mm. And maybe there'll be a a time when like my girls are older and like certain financial situations where like, or my body or whatever is like, yeah, "Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. But, and I don't blame anyone who's taken that path. One of my best friends, Stefan Smith was a wrestler Mm. and he just recently got like, several months ago got signed to WWE and he's a ref on NXT now. Nice. And it's dope. And like Drake Younger is yep. a good example. Yep. But like good example, yeah. I didn't spend all my childhood saying, man, I dream of yeah. making a living, being a referee. Like right. I want to be a wrestler. Right. That's all I've ever wanted to be. Right. But having Dak Dak Shepard's podcast is real good about he talks about for a long time his whole self esteem was tied up in like his success as an actor mm-hmm. and stuff. And one of those that's one of the reasons he struggled with addiction for so long and stuff. And he talks about, like, he likes acting and he has his projects, but he only has to do stuff he wants to do now. Yeah. And all his self-esteem come, comes from being a dad and a right. husband. And that's helped me a lot because yeah. if I don't have a show this weekend where I'm going to lose $70 because I took $30, I can go spend time with my girl and my yep. And my daughters. Absolutely. And I can watch them run around and I can fucking yeah. wrestle with them. They can make and, memories and, and, yeah, absolutely, man. And then if you want to pay me enough to where I can tell, you know, I, this today's the only show, like, the only day this in the next four days that I don't have a show, you yeah. know, like I had one yesterday, I've got two tomorrow and then one Sunday. Yeah. I purposely didn't look for one on Valentine's Day because Ruby, my six-year-old, was really looking forward to right. To see me on the heart day. There you go, the heart day. Yeah. The heart day. <laughs> there you she, go. She, she asked before I left if I'd be here on the heart day. Nice. And I was like, yeah, I'll be here on the heart day. Absolutely, I will. But, and then, so the next two days, like, I'm going to be traveling a lot. Like, luckily, I'll be able to be home, like, at night and stuff because yeah. I'm not going that far. But yeah. I can justify because I can bring home money and say I'm providing for my family. Sure. And that's helped a ton. Right. One of the things that helped with that was, again, talking with Parnell, because we did a match. He did his Horsepower Gym Open Challenge, where I had an open weekend, and he had an open weekend. He was like, hey, do you want to come have a match at my house? Because he's got a little shed that's a gym, mm-hmm. plus he's got a, a pretty open backyard. He's like, do you want to have a match in my yard in the gym yeah. for the outlaw belt? I was like, fuck yeah, man. Yeah, Let's yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it got a fair amount of like buzz and stuff on yeah. like the Twitter and stuff, but I was talking to him, and I was like, yeah, it's... I'm, Paranoid because I like I'm afraid like if I don't do something every weekend yeah. then like everyone's just gonna forget about me. He's like, I was afraid of that because right up until we had that match in my backyard, I hadn't wrestled for three weeks. Yeah, and I didn't lose any followers or anything. Yeah, and that's where the, like the promos and the bazooka videos come because like yeah. this day and age it's content and Absolutely. like it's one of those things. Like, I see guys who aren't very good wrestlers getting a lot of followers and yeah. buzz because they're really good at content. Right. and I have to mediate myself because. I understand that, like, that may not be exactly what, like, I want wrestling to be. Sure. That may not be the wrestling I fell in love with, but I'm determined to never be one of these, like, that's not wrestling. Yeah. Because wrestling that I fell in love with wasn't wrestling to guys 30 years before that. Absolutely. And, like, I can't say that's not wrestling. It may not be my flavor of wrestling, right. but that's what it is. And I can bitch about it and fall behind, or yep. I can, can adjust and I can, like, exactly. I don't like making content. It's a fucking time sink. Yeah. I could be playing video games. I could yep. be doing anything. Like, I like shoot, shooting stuff out of the bazooka itself is fun, but sure. getting the shot set up, oh, fuck, this one didn't fire. I got to yeah. do more hurt. Fuck, we're out of this fire extinguisher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to sink another $15 yeah. into that. Okay, well, fuck, it's a holiday. Oh, I got to spend $40 on a Christmas tree yeah. to set on fire. Fuck. That's not super fun. And then just there are days I get home from where I'm just, 
I'm not in the mood to cut a fucking promo. Yeah. I'm not in the mindset to do a promo right now, but I have to fucking do it. The show's in two days. I should yeah. have done this two days ago. Yeah. Yeah. But again, I can either just bitch about it and fall behind or I can fucking just suck it, it up and I can do yeah. that as a way to do what, like I said, the wrestling that I do like to do. Right. I'm very much an in-ring guy. Right. That's like, I, I love like the big promos and like the monologues and like good vignettes, mm-hmm. but like I like that Kings road, let's tell our story yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in there. Um, and there's nothing wrong with taking it easy, quote unquote, mm-hmm. as far as like know your shit and go in there and let's not get hurt. But like yeah. you can work hard for 50 fans without doing right. fucking ridiculous shit. But talking with him's helped me say no to bookings and shoot like higher numbers for bookings. Like yeah. that show and that second show in Arkansas I'm doing, probably like before I left for Japan, I would have asked for like $50 to make yeah. sure I would have got on. And then I asked for this, and they came down to, you know, the number they're paying me, which yeah. is more than, sure. like, they needed yeah. to pay me to come. Right, but absolutely, yeah. Because with the goals I do have, there are still those times where I have to take off of work and drive 10 hours for no pay right. to get an opportunity. Yeah. And that's part of it. And, like, I did that for a long time, and I've got a lot of time of doing that yet. But now in between those, instead of just, again breaking even or losing less mm-hmm. money, I can make money or yeah. just stay home. And, like, I, really, like, leading up to Japan is what, when I put it into practice, I was like, I'm going to take less booking so I can spend more time in the gym. And that was really yeah. the main thing about it. Yeah. So I want to have my body right. I want to have it rested, sure. for one. And because, like, i am been wrestling almost every weekend for, like, eight years. I'm fucking beat up and crooked right. every now and then. Yep. You saw how, how fucking bent out of yeah, shit yeah, I was. Yeah, 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 I threw my back out in Mexico. Take care of yourself, yeah. Which absolutely. those stretches helped me a lot. Good. <laughs> Thank I'm glad you. to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. But uh, I, ju- I started taking more dates off just to get in the gym and stuff, and I was just like, okay, and now I get to spend an extra day at Alicia's. Yep. And I can still work out when yep. she goes to work and everything, and I'm just there. And yep. I picked up an extra shift or two at work. Now I've got this extra money so I can buy better food or whatever. And just like, I'm not as fucking, like, I've just got this Saturday to myself. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. And people are still tweeting at me about stuff. I still put out a promo for this match I got a week from now. Right. And just like, wow, this isn't so bad. Yeah. And I think part of that early on, like, I have to wrestle every weekend was part of that. I have to prove that I love this more than everyone else. Yeah. And... That was probably good when I was, like, 20 and single and, like, wasn't in a position to be making money in wrestling yet. And, like, but, again, it's to that point. I can spend that with my woman and my daughters and just taking care of myself. And it doesn't mean I love wrestling any less. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, man. So, luckily, I got friends like, you know... Luke, who's taken a decreased schedule the past, like, mm-hmm. couple of years or so because he's got real-life responsibilities, mm-hmm. and Parnell, who's, you know, you have to know your worth and not go out for less than... And that was always a fear of mine, like... Because you're always told, like, if you ask for $50, like, where are you going to sell $50 in tickets? And I can guarantee some of these places, like, I'm not going to sell you $120 worth of tickets, right. but... I'll give you a help. I may I may do it to the next show. Sure, yeah. You know, depending on what capacity you want to put me in there. Absolutely. Like, if you want me in your eight-minute opener, I'll give you the, the best eight-minute opener I can, and that doesn't yeah. mean a ton of falsies. It just means I'm going to make your baby face look fucking awesome right. for, you know, eight minutes. Right. And if you put me in the main event, I'll give you a fucking killer main event with great falsies and sequences. And There you go. Yep. So... I mean, it's, it's 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 an evolution, man. You're growing. I mean, that's that's part of it, man. That's great. That's that's knowing priorities and knowing. 
because you are genuinely worth something now. And like you said, you do have all the years and the knowledge and the travel and the different people that you've trained under and experienced and seminared and, and just the yeah. quality of matches and, and now world traveled and all this stuff, man. You're not, you're not losing anything by, you know, tapering back and aiming for the, for the more important spots in life, you know, right. it with your family or with the better promotions or the ones that are going to actually earn you some money or, you know, so there you go, man. I think you're doing the exact right thing. It sounds great to me. It, it feels right. Just yeah. the, the groove I'm hitting and like, cause I'm not a natural businessman at all. Mm-hmm. Cause like I wish wrestling and it's pro- probably never been like this, but like when I got in, I was just like, if I'm a good wrestler, I'll send my good footage to good promoters and I'll get better bookings until yeah. I get to the top. And for a long time, I thought I just wasn't very good until I realized how much of it is just like, and even still at a level like where promoters like me, it's like, well, this guy's got buzz or this guy's, I promised I'd bring him in. And this I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, what the fuck ever? Cause I'm not good at like, I tell people nowadays, cause there's a, a kid training down in Arkansas, my buddy Casey, who like just turned 21 and he's like, got married right out of high school and he's got a kid that's less than a year old. Yeah. And he's, he works at, I think, like Menards or somewhere like that. And mm-hmm. he's been up or got a manager position or something. I was like, man, I'll tell you, there's two ways I think you should go about this. I was like, and if you were single, I'd tell you to just drop everything. Just have a good, solid job that'll give you time off when you need yeah. it. Fucking hit the gym a bunch. Train as much as you can. Wrestle as much as you can. Yeah. Don't worry about fucking money right now if you're single. I was like, you're married and you got a kid. What I think you should do, because I've seen this work for guys. Yeah. Is I think you should... Keep training as often as you can. Mm-hmm. Work on your job. Get up to a position where you have a lot of vacation time built up and you've got a nice little bit of money put in the bank for your family. Uh-huh. Keep hitting the gym, get in real good shape. And I'd say in like three or four years, start really hitting up places yeah. um, like a professional, like a grown man would. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. maybe there's sometimes you got to fly yourself somewhere and you can do that because you have an adult job and sure. you can take a vacation day yeah, and yeah. you've got... $400 to drop on a flight that's not going to fucking bankrupt you or... Right. Because I've seen people like... I've told Luke to get on the grown man hustle for wrestling because he's in that position where he's got plenty of money and he's mm-hmm. got a fine enough job and like yeah. obviously he's got the body and the skill and everything. Because sure. I've noticed people who come into wrestling as grown men do better right away. Yeah. I came into wrestling as a boy. I grew up in wrestling. I had no fucking sense. Right. I didn't like... I, when I came into wrestling, I had not held any sort of like full-time job yet. Yeah. I'd worked for some tip agencies and I've still not had like a real grown adult job. I've done, I worked at a car wash for like a year and a half. I did a call center for a few months and for the past, I think about five years, I've done delivery driving. I worked for a few third-party delivery services and I've driven for, I think April, April will be three years, I think with Papa John's. And, like, again, it's because I can go there and I yeah. get paid in cash at the end of the night and they'll right. give me whatever days off I want. Right. And, honestly, like, I think if it weren't for Alicia and the girls, I'd have more regrets about doing stuff differently. But I know if I'd done things differently, there's a chance I never would have had them. And then it's it's all fucking pointless right. without them. It's all, the, it's all the road that leads you to where you are. Exactly. And you're happy with what you have. I mean, and also, like, she's super supportive, I'm, I'm guessing. Like, she it is. seems like she is. So. Like, we missed each other like crazy in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And, like, there were times where it's really, it's really tough on her because she's been in some relationships in the past, mm-hmm. like, when she was a lot younger that weren't very good. And, mm-hmm. like, 
I remember, like, the boyfriend she had in high school she told me about was, like, not very trustworthy and stuff. And obviously, wrestlers have your reputation, especially in this yeah. state. I've got a certain reputation sure. from when I was single and <laughs> sure, everything. Sure, sure. And not that any of it's untrue, but, you know, it's, it can be tough on her. And then it's, you know, the fact that we live three hours apart anyway. Yeah. It's not like I see her all the time during the week and then I'm right. gone on the weekends. That right. would probably make stuff a lot easier. Yeah. You know, if I was there and we could, you know, do our... But, it's, I mean, we've gone up to a month without seeing each right. other. Yeah. And we've been together, you know, a few years now. Yeah. Like, it doesn't look like in the immediate future there's any plans for me to, like, move down here, you mm-hmm. know. Um, as much as I'd love that. Sure. But she's incredibly supportive because she, you know, there are a lot of guys out there who I'm sure you've seen it, like, even in the local scene who are like, this is my life. This is my dream. Mm-hmm. And like, you got to, they tell their woman, like, you got to sacrifice for it. You got to sacrifice for it. And it's like, okay, well you're missing like your kid's school play to go to yeah. this company that's not paying you. Yeah. And it's like, is that the sacrifice? Like, it's different when I got to like be gone for a few weeks to go to Mexico yeah. to train with the best luchadors in the world. That's at a the, sacrifice. At the old, at yes. the oldest. Yeah. It's different when I'm going, you know, to Japan, yeah. which looks good on my with these things that'll increase with mm-hmm. there are guys who've been doing this like 15 years and mm-hmm. have like four states and a yep. handful of companies on the resume i was like yep you're not trying like that's not that's yeah that's not the sacrifice that they they, they may think they know what it is but that's not what it is no it's not and like yeah sac sacrifice gets romanticized but when you mm-hmm. really have to sacrifice like it's not fucking fun it's yeah. not cool yeah because I've had to miss shit that I really didn't want to miss, and it right. was hard on her. Even though she like, she always tells me she's yeah. proud of me. Right, right. Always. And I couldn't do it if she didn't. I wouldn't yeah. have the guts to do a lot of these things if it weren't for her and if sure. I knew I weren't helping provide for my kids and stuff. Sure. Because, like, going to Mexico, like, just go, putting yourself out there for the tryout for those things is scary. But it's like, like, I tell her that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this and this is my dream. Like, I've got to fucking prove it. I can't yeah. just tell her I'm going to do this and not live down here and miss weekends if I'm just going to, again, go fucking yeah. lose $50 to make $30. Right. That's not acceptable. No. Nope. I've yeah. got to, if I'm going to miss time with them, it's because I've got to do something yeah. that's going to add to, it's you're, to my you're resume. adding value to yourself. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. I mean, the support of someone like that is is monumental, I mean, for progress and like, like, you know, Brittany is super supportive of me. I mean, it got to the point, I, I, left, a, I left a job that I've had for 12 years with full insurance, with retirement, with vacation, with literally the adult job that everyone, you know, like that's the adult job. That's it's the nine to five. It's what your parents try to force you to do because that's what they did and whatnot. But what's the trade-off for that? Miserable every second of the fucking day. And then hating every second that I'm at home because I'm just counting the clock down until I have to go back. Like that's where I got. And, you know, ultimately when, you know, and, and Brittany's like, I mean, because I'm like, how can, we can't afford, we can't afford for me to quit this job. I guess I'll go part-time, I'll do this, but God, it's so hard to schedule clients when you're like, yeah, I can't do that time because I have to go work here that right. time. And that, and, and you know, uh, uh, essentially, you know, you have to sit there with a piece of paper and write down what's your goal. Boom. And beside that, you write down what is the number one thing preventing you from accomplishing that goal. And it's like, job at the grocery store and then it's like let's eliminate that then 
Like, let's, yeah. let's fucking eliminate that. And then, you know, lo and behold, as you know, you have, I have the support of someone like you said you do as well. It's, it's, it's so great, you know, confidence booster, all that stuff to have someone that's supporting you in your journey and your growth and all that stuff. It's a weird thing to look at, like, the generational thing. And I think part of it is because, like, that job, like, as good as it is to have now, mm-hmm. I think it proportionately gave a lot more to the generation before us. Like, because it wasn't mm-hmm. just, like, okay, we're safe month to month. Like, yeah. back in, like, our parents' day, like, that was a retirement fund, too. Like, you're good once sure. you're done. Like, you could quit working when you're 50, sure. 60. Yeah. And you're, you've got... 25, 30 years to just live your life. And I can see that being a pretty fine incentive, especially right, when you right. got, you know, kids to provide for. And that's your, you know, if you yeah. got a kids or a family or whatever, that's your priority. Right. But, uh, like, I've, I've thought about this a lot because, I mean, there are a lot of times I've gone, I felt like a, a loser because yeah. I was like, man, I'm doing this independent wrestling thing. I'm not making money. I'm fucking 27 years old. I'm still driving for Papa John's. And I was like, but I look at, and it's amazing that Alicia, who is a, who's been a strong independent woman her whole life, mm-hmm. like moved out of her parents when she was 17 because mm-hmm. she was already like taking care of herself right. and has held jobs and professional jobs. Like, you know, she worked at Cherokee Nation, yep. she worked for the school board now with Brittany. Yep. Yep. And like the fact that someone like that would even put up with someone like me, yeah. who's just like, I'm going to go be a rock star on the weekends, right, right, babe. Right. <laughs> I'll, I'm going to go back three hours away where I live, but like, you're still my girl, and, <laughs> and then I'm gonna go be a rock star on the weekends. The fact that like she would even yeah put up with that astounds me. But I obviously like when you get in your own head, and that's another reason it's important mm-hmm. to have someone like that, so that when you yes. you can say I yeah. can tell her like, man, I feel like a loser because my dad had to help you know get yep. me to Japan and everything, and she's there reminding me is like you'd do the same thing for Ruby if you right. could if she had to go somewhere like that for her dream, Absolutely. and just telling me is like, well, you're not just sitting at home and like my like luckily i've got a great support system like even outside of her like my family because like yeah i still live in the the trailer that i moved into with my dad when i moved mm-hmm. uh up from the seymour after i graduated high school because he's a trucker he's just always on the road yeah and rent's really cheap so he's never asked me right. for rent or anything and like sometimes like i feel bad about that because he helps me out with so much more than that too yeah and it's like He's told me, I don't know how many times, like, son, if you were just some lazy bum who refused to, to get a better job yes. and, like, just blowing money on video games and yeah. pointless tattoos, like, yeah. then, no, I, would, I wouldn't just let you stay at the house. And I would make it, but, like, you're out there doing something. Right. You're actually out there pursuing. She's yeah. always good about that because I've thought about that. I was like, I don't see how I could be happy at any kind of nine to five. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and, like, and that's one of, like... So society to an extent will make you feel guilty about that. Mm-hmm. Like, well, it's not called work because it's fun. And I was like, no, but like, there's no point. Like, if you're not being fulfilled, like that's yeah. that's the ultimate like thing in life. Like, you can have all this stuff and financial right. security, but if you're totally unfulfilled, then it's all pointless. I I so I was talking to uh, my boss of this place, a yeah. uh, great guy, love him to death. Um, the other day and. Uh, uh, we were discussing like just kind of bullshitting about like working me where I worked before here and all that stuff and uh, uh, he was we, we were talking and I just got off on like you know I don't have kids and I don't know that I'm ever going to have kids I'm, who knows if it happens it happens but uh, I was like I remember kind of a breaking point where I was like doing my shitty job that I disliked and just being like you know maybe I can push my kids to 
like accomplish their goals and be fulfilled that way. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, I've already given up on myself at like 29. Like I've, I've completely given up on myself. Like, it, like in my, you know, right before I turned 30, like I had totally given up on myself. Like, I guess I'll have kids and maybe they'll actually make the right decisions where they can have something fun. And I was like, fuck that man. Like that's fucking bullshit. Like I, I go out there and go after it, man. I, I, I'm fully supportive as well of all the stuff you're doing and I think you're fucking killing it. So Thank you so uh, much. You're, you're fucking doing great. Um, we're going to have to wrap this up pretty quick because we've been talking for two fucking hours and this is about to cut off again. <laughs> so, which, that's great, though, man. It's like, been a great conversation. I'll chop this in two episodes, oh, man. Hell yeah, man. We'll, we'll have content out there. Well, that's that's a, more content for me. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, um, you got any final closing thoughts? Anything you want to get out there that we haven't hit yet? Anything particular? Man, we've covered just about the most yeah, stuff. You yeah. can follow me on Twitter at Merc with a Main, Graham Bell on Facebook. Instagram, 5580 on Instagram. Um, I don't have a Patreon yet, but I'll be posting nudes up there soon nice. for my OnlyFans. Nice. Um, and, man, just follow me, support me. I've got Gramzilla T-shirts on pre-sale right now if you want to order one of those. Those are sick T-shirts, too. Um, but other than that, like, just keep following me. Keep supporting me. Absolutely. However you can financially. Just put me over on Twitter. That's always a good one. Fucking A. But, yeah, that's about it. I'm just going to fucking keep chasing. I'm going to see what comes next. Work on uh, probably getting to the U.K. sometime this yep. year would be a big goal. That's, like, yep. strong style, lucha, Absolutely, American, man. British catch wrestling is about the only style I've got left to train in. And then, like, like I said, I want to be that that globe-trotting journey, it, that mercenary you, journey, man. You'd be holding all the cards, man. I, I, I dig it. I dig you have all the, all the stones in your gauntlet. Oh, I dig it, man. Well, uh, I guess the uh, only thing left to say is... Akiyama. Akiyama.